Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Done properly, podcasting is a heroic act. Done properly. Not not here. Nope. 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 No, we're a couple villains here. <laughs> That's what we are. A couple rap scallions. You know what that was? What? You showing what a great job Brad Bird does is the voice of Edna Mode. Okay. I I'm, was, not, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, like, it's it's not as easy as it sounds agreed. to do a funny voice. But I think that wasn't... Oh, <laughs> Spilled ice. And for the listener at home, apparently it's not as easy as it seems to not <laughs> knock a cup of ice onto Ben's Two mixing board. Two little chips board. of ice. It's fine. It's fine. Could have been worse. A Dunkin' Donuts cup with nothing but ice. <laughs> well. Directly onto... A mixing board. Yep. Yellow card. Yeah. Oh, there we go. This is what I like. We're going to get regimented here. We're going to get serious about this podcast. Oh, there's going to be a card system? Yes, because we're- You would collect like eight red cards an episode. <laughs> David, I have been avoiding having this conversation. Throwing up, red card. <laughs> I feel like you have gotten too lax, too loose. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Because mm-hmm. of your wild, erratic behavior. True. Right. This podcast has gone off the rails, and we have to start regulating it. Okay. Okay. So Ben's instituted a card system that is never going to bite me in the ass. <laughs> Starting on this episode, <laughs> cards will be handed out for infractions. I expect to have a goose egg. Sure, sure By the end sure, of the year, sure. a, a goose egg in terms of, what do they call it? Uh, what, in bowling? Yeah, is goose egg bowling? No, it's- goose eggs, uh, uh, it's an egg that comes out of a goose. I mean, like, what, what, not... not <laughs> fair, a, fair enough, good point. Not a spare. What do they call it when you get nothing in bowling? Um... I expect to have no cards. That's my point. No, I understand. I'm now, now I'm actually. I'm just trying. I don't to want remember. to go on about this too long because that could get me an infraction. I don't want one. No cards. Yeah. For the record, know. David has one yellow card. Like Hello, a, everybody. A gutter. Yeah, gutter. I don't know. Hi, everybody. In cricket, they call it a duck. Oh my God, <laughs> it's like you're cruising for a card right now. You lost yourself. <laughs> Fucking brought up the United Kingdom already. Why? Why? Why is that weird for you to bring up? It's the, yeah, it's the World whatever. Cup. Everyone's talking about a bunch of countries. Exactly, and that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't understand why it, it's odd that he would make such a point about him bringing up a thing that anyone would bring up. Yeah, it just, just seems like a tangent. And testing, David, I'm testing the limits of the card system. Watch yourself. No okay. tangents. Right. Hello, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. David Sims. I'm filing papers here sure. like a serious newsman, mm-hmm. which is funny because my name is now going to be Griffin Newsman. Great new character. Thank you. Uh, the podcast... This is a podcast. Back at, back this is a podcast. I've been listening back to episodes because I've been uh, uh, filming a TV show, which no one should do. And, Bad idea. Uh, so I've been listening to these episodes from, from months ago without recording new episodes. Me too. And uh, it is astonishing how much I uh, don't uh, clearly pronounce any of the words in the introduction anymore. <laughs> yeah, you just, I just barrel through. And of course, a mini series called The Podcastables. Yes, we're looking at director's filmographies. Oh, I just said all of that. Yeah, of course. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, mini series on the films of Brad Bird. And this is the final question mark. Episode. <laughs> this is it. He's out. <laughs> No, I'm teasing something later. Make we'll it the, the later. highest. I'm teasing something that we'll reveal later. Okay. This is 
The Incredibles 2. Yes. The most recent Brad Bird film, a film so recent, oh, it's hot off the presses. It's breaking box office records as we speak. Yeah. Biggest opening weekend for an animated film. Biggest Monday for an animated film. Biggest Tuesday for an animated film. Probably the highest grossing animated film ever made, right? Like, I'm assuming. It will. It's following the Dory path, so it'll it'll beat it. It's zooming past it. Yeah, it is. I mean, Disney is going to have, like, three films gross over $500 million domestically within four months. Yeah. That's... Insane. That's the thing. They released a giant flop, and it, they're just sort of like, whatever. Well, because look, it wasn't a giant flop. It was a moderate. But flop. that was the thing. Like looking at the schedule last year, it was like Jesus Christ. Disney has Black Panther, Infinity War, Solo, and Incredibles all coming out within like four months. They're going to have four billion dollar movies, right? And so they have three. They have three. Yeah. <laughs> um. And that I'm, I was uh, talking to a Disney person not that long ago, and I was like, but then after Incredibles, like, you know, it's a little bit of a gap, right, between that and the Winnie the Pooh movie, and they were like. No, it's Ant-Man, like, three weeks later. And I was yeah. like, right, like, that's going to make a ton of money. Yeah. You know, it just never ends. And I think, I'd, I want to go on the record here. I think Winnie the Pooh is going to break the opening re- weekend record for a movie written by a former blank check guest. Shit, I think you're right. I think right? it'll also, it's also going to smash the Pooh universe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're totally right. Right, because uh, what, what number prior two? record is I don't know what, like listen up, Philip probably opened like two hundred k. Yeah, I don't, don't want to misrepresent. Don't, yeah. don't get mad at me, Alex. Okay. Um. Oh, you know what? I forgot about trolls. Oh, that's true. His trolls. Oh, yeah, Richard. Richard trolls. Lawson's trolls. Uh, listen up, Philip opened at twenty three k. So if anything, I was overinflating. Yeah, you know, in two theaters. Yeah, I think Pooh's going to clear that. You think so? You think yeah. it'll be there? okay? Yeah. Fair enough. Um. This is Incredibles 2. It's burning up the charts. But what do we think about it? Because we're connoisseurs of context. And we've been digging into this bird filmography. Or at least we did dig into this bird filmography four and a half years ago. ago We're talking about like Ready Player One on those episodes. We're like, interesting. Could be good. Who knows? (laughs) We're literally like speculating on the quality of a movie that just like posted a trailer. Don't we in the Iron Giant episode uh, comment on Disney having just bought Star Wars? (laughs) What are they going to do with that property? Yeah, um, yeah I, I've actually appreciated listening back to our bird episodes, which you did record. We did mm-hmm. record it a while ago because, mm-hmm. yeah, it helped me uh, think about this movie. Yeah, certainly. Um, certainly. Certainly. But it is weird. As you said, when we were recording these episodes, there was like a teaser trailer for Incredibles. Right. And now the movie's here. I think you like it a lot more than I do. It's, I, I think so, because you ranked it below Finding Dory. Now, here's the thing. On the Twitter.com. Here's the thing. And I saw that, and I was like... <laughs> but That's what I did. I made that noise. Alec Baldwin, here's the thing. <laughs> no. I like Finding Dory a lot more than most people. That's so weird. I think people saw that ranking and were like, oh, God, he hates it that much, sure. which it's like far from it. I think it's on the exact same tier as Monsters University and Finding Dory. Right. Three movies I like a lot. I think are solid, interesting sequels to, like, perfect movies. Right. I think, right. I mean, I think we have, I mean, this is the thing. I was like, eh, Pixar rankings. You know, right. to me, this is the third best Pixar movie ever made. That's insane. Right. I mean, but, like, that's basically how I feel about this stuff. Behind right. the two Brad Bird movies. Yeah. But I'm like, you're the three much Brad more Bird movies Brad Bird are, they are than... the Brad Bird, right. They are the Pixar movies for me. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, uh, I like Toy Story. Well, yeah. I mean, let's, uh, can we be very clear about that? 
Sure. Let's be frank. Okay. Uh, like Toy Story Two. Sure. Okay. The perfect way the greatest pinnacle of American cinema. And then, uh, you know, I think Finding Nemo is really pretty. I like the Pete Doctor movies, like by and large, but I don't like. I don't think I love them. I, you know, I like them a lot. I'm getting so angry just hearing. And then I really like Wally. Right. I, I was. Right. I was like, there's one other Pixar movie I really do think is terrific, and that's Wally. It's yeah. called Wally. Right. It's about a rabbit. Yeah, it is. He's, it's about a couple of rabbits. It's Let's a, be rabbits honest. in love. Let's be frank. Young rabbits in love. Um. I right. I obviously I come at this from a very different angle from you because I I'm not just looking at these films within the the bird canon but also the Pixar canon. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in the arc of Pixar as a company, which mm-hmm. we've talked about a lot on this mini series. We have, uh, yeah. And uh, you know the thing I find frustrating about them right now is um, I'm very interested to see. I mean, at the time we're recording this, Pete Doctor was just announced within the last 48 hours to be taking over Pixar. Seems like a appropriate hire. Yeah, right. He's institutional like yes. he's but he's i don't know i feel like he pushes to make interesting things and, i do too right yeah i don't um, know I, I don't immediately see what will happen next with him taking over but i think well, he's probably a solid nothing choice. immediately right right because yeah. they've I, got i'm saying i can't immediately imagine what the next five years will look like. what do they got coming up pixar well it's like a, a kind of a question mark i mean toy story 4 is supposed to come out next year yep they hired a new writer two months ago to right. rewrite most of the movie Right. That thing, uh, which we'll get into, has been pushed back a lot. Uh, They've gone through many writing teams. Right. And Lasseter they, was supposed to direct it. He uh, dropped out before getting pushed out of his own company. Right. So Josh Cooley is directing right. it. Who's just sort of like a Pixar career man. Um, is like a good Pixar story guy. I think has co-directed a couple of their films. Um, but then there's a... Um, uh, uh, Dan Scanlon, am I fucking up his name, who directed Monsters University? I believe that's his name. Has an original film that's set in like a fantasy universe that still hasn't officially been announced. But they have two untitled films in 2020. Right. I think one of those is supposed to be the Scanlon movie, and the other one hasn't been announced. Two more, another one for 2021. Right. And then two more for, yeah, but this is but right. At this it's point, all that's a mystery. More Disney just claiming dates. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which they might. If you know, re- replace one of those with Mulan or whatever. You know, it's like it's all a, a chessboard for them of just making sure they have all the prime sort of like tentpole dates. Um, it's a big question mark. The one thing they keep on saying in interviews is because people have complained about how many sequels they've made recently. Like looking forward, Pixar, uh, Toy Story Four is the only sequel Pixar has in development right now. Mm-hmm. They claim that. There's, there's, there's sort a spate of original films coming up. Well, right, because they don't have a lot of obvious sequels they could do now. No. I mean, I guess they could do, like, Finding Marlin. I don't fucking know. Like, I mean, know. honestly, like... <laughs> finding that Doing Incredibles 3 seems <laughs> more viable than any of the other Well, ones. Incredibles 3 is... It feels uh, logic... Like, it feels yes. like a movie that actually should exist. Because these movies feel a lot more like there's this big story being told. Right. Whereas, like, right, it's like... If they made a Finding Dory sequel, it would be like, wait, the ocean, we got to find someone. Like, I, it's not like Finding Dory ends where you're like, I can't wait to find out like where this goes. No, and I was one of those people who was really angry when they announced Finding Nemo because I'm like, I Finding think Nemo? You mean Dory? I, I'm sorry. When they announced Dory, yeah. I was very angry because Do- Nemo ends. Perfect. Great ending. And I was just like, fucking book closed, put it right. on the shelf, done. Right. Was angry about it. Hearing it's Finding Dory is like, that just sounds like a dumb flip. Yeah. And I, there are things in that movie that drive me crazy. I think Ugh. the first 30 minutes suck. I think it's not great. I, think I know you don't like it. Gentleman's six territory, like at best. I think it's like a gentleman 7.5. Mm. 
And that's what you think this is, too? Crap. Boy, oh, boy. That's no good. All right, go on, And go I think on. Monsters University is about the same. I think the difference is the last 30 minutes of Monsters University are brilliant. Which you've never talked about on this podcast. Never. Yeah. Um, Funny Dory, I do go like, you know what? I think they actually found some good angles to it, and I think they came up with some things that actually deepen the first movie in an interesting way, which is the same thing I like about Monsters University. It's not super necessary, but I think they found the most interesting sequel they can make. I just can't remember anything about Finding Dory. Like, I really can't. Sounds like you got a bit of a... Oh, boy. Now, wait. Okay, now let's do... Wait, I'm sorry. Take six. Sounds like you have a bit of a Dory problem there. I, I And before we get into this movie... But do you get the joke I was making? Mm-hmm. Uh, memory issues. Okay, now take... 27. No, uh, maybe uh, you should have the uh, the inside out emotions help you with that one because they have the memory balls. Do you remember that? Ben, just bleep that out for his sake. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm very close. He's holding up a card. I'm very close. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cut all the takes. Cut it out. All right, no, I, I just want to have one more work. Pixar question. Yes. What do you think of Cars 3? Well, here's the thing that David, I find interesting. Uh, David, you too. You know where this is going to okay, go. Now, now, commissioner, commissioner, do <laughs> commissioner. I, commissioner, do I have to answer the question now that he's asked? Will I get an infraction for answering the question? The fans are baying for him to answer this question answer right now. Answer the question. Cars, two makes cars three look like cars one. Is that what it is? I literally couldn't even remember. It took me a second because I didn't want to get a red card <laughs> for mangling my own joke. I don't think any of us would, uh, would remember. Um... I just think the big Pixar problem is that uh, people talk a lot about how Lasseter kind of created a boys club environment there, which he literally did in terms of just not letting women rise up to higher positions of power. But the other problem is he has his old friends that he brought with him and he did not incubate new talent in a major way. his old guys and right, he struggled to, but they did have, you know, like. They have that system where it's like Uncritch is a co-director yeah. and he gets sort of kicked up to direct. Right, like they do. But Uncritch was nominally. there from Toy Story. Yeah, no, I understand. And most I, of those guys didn't rise through the ranks. Like Bob Peterson, who was one of their big story guys and co-directors forever, developed Good Dinosaur, got pushed off of it. Jan Pinkova was a similar thing. I know, yeah. yeah. You know, and there are That's a lot true. of guys like that. Like, um, There's a little sink or swim over there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a Silicon Valley Ralph company. Eggleston. There are all these guys who have been there since like 1995. And you also have a lot of guys like, um, uh, what's his name, Doug Sweetland, who is one of their best animators, mm. who did Presto. Sure. And everyone's Great. like, love Presto. When are they going to hand him a movie? So funny. He's been there since the beginning. When are they going to hand him a movie? Oh, boy, we got to talk about Bao. We all talk about Bao. Oh, boy. Did you see that Dumpling movie? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Cronenbergian. No, no, no. It's fine. We'll keep, keep, keep your opinion. We'll, 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 okay. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what it. What happens to Doug Sweetland? I don't know. He goes over and makes storks for Warner Brothers. Oof. They let all these guys <laughs> get away, and then they made shitty movies at other people studios. People kind of like storks. I guess. I don't, I don't know. know. Do people like... I don't remember. I tried watching it storks. because I like Sweetland. But, like, they just weren't giving these people opportunities, and if they did, it was like, congratulations, you get to make Cars 3. Like, you get to inherit right. someone else's franchise, you know? Um So there is this weird factor of, like, they don't have new original movies being developed because Pete Docter was the only guy who was still there. Stanton and Bird felt like they kind of wanted to move on and then had to come back and, like, okay, I guess I go back to my original franchise at Pixar, the movie I know I can get made with total creative freedom, you know? Yeah. And this is kind of—it feels like that movie for Bird. This is the safe rebound. Yep. 
uh, he also, you know, he had said for years and years and years, because everyone's always asking, when are you going to make Incredibles 2? Mm-hmm. I don't want to make a sequel for the sake of making a sequel. Sure. I'll make it when I have a great idea. Feels like Brad Bird. Yep. That's sort of the Bird move. Felt a little convenient that that great idea came to him right after Tomorrowland Bond. Sure. Yes. And yet, this movie does feel like he's wrestling with the Tomorrowland shit again. I agree. So I do, I, even if it maybe he had to make this movie now. Yeah. I do feel like he's like, oh, I still got all that Tomorrowland juice I want to sort out. Tomorrowland like, and Crabbles 2 kind of feel like two sides of the same coin I for agree. me. I agree. And Oh, not in terms of quality. Just in terms of ideas. This is a better movie than Tomorrowland. Yeah, but it's... But I like Tomorrowland. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I you, look, I re-listened to our Tomorrowland episode and was... Great app. Even myself astonished when we got to a Gentleman's B+. Plus. Well, you <laughs> like, know... I was like, wait, I we was did? Talk- I was talking to my brother about it. Yeah. And he was like, I... I I love the episode, but I do feel like I like the movie more than you. And I was like, no, we both like the movie. It's just if you talk about the movie, you just have to acknowledge all the shit that doesn't work about it. And listening to and us. And yet it's right. such a special weird movie that right. you do kind of like it. And I kind of like the fact that it's fucking broken. Yeah. In its own weird, weird way. Weird ass. Right. Broken robot. Right. But uh, like listening to the episode, listening to us talk about all the problems with it, I was like, this movie's a disaster. But yeah, then I think back to how I feel so watching weird, it. And I'm like, he is just such a symphonic filmmaker. Yes. I remember, where you're like, what was the season where 30 Rock was kind of shaky? Was it like four or five? Yeah, I think where four. they had like a really off season. Sure. And I remember Nathan Rabin writing this piece about it where he was like, the problem is that like 30 Rock is so well made. The cast is so good. It's well shot. The music is good. That even when it's bad, it's just fucking enjoyable to watch, mm-hmm. which also makes it more frustrating when the writing isn't there. Right, right. When it yeah, feels yeah. like they're off. And like Brad Bird is kind of like that, where he's just such a symphonic filmmaker that like even when Tomorrowland is like completely like, it's like a Tesla catching on fire underneath the hood. Right. You're like, but this thing looks so good. It feels <laughs> smooth. And I'm told that it's good for the environment, you know? <laughs> Have you seen that video have, of like Mary I McDonald's? Have, yeah. It, yeah. Insane. Yeah, 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 it's fine. Um, but but that's the thing. And I feel like so I had this thing watching Incredibles 2, right? Mm. And I admit, uh, I'm in the midst of filming. No one should make a TV show. I'm very stressed out. Yeah, right you're now. all stressed out. I'm well, very we're stressed gonna out. talk about this, but yeah, okay. So when where did you see it? Did you see it at diaper cinema? I didn't see it at the diaper cinema. Okay, fine. Saw it at, at the the Ewok in Times Square. Uh, with the great theater now great with the little now, desks. great seats I have my love little love that desk. theater love that theater I got the seat I wanted that I theater saw is it. like kind of secretly the best multiplex it's in sort of become City. very recently the best one yeah. um, I, I got a perfect seat I saw it in 2D the crowd was a good mix of adults and families yeah, yeah. because it's like well I don't want to see a Pixar movie just with fucking kids but I also don't want to see a Pixar movie just with fucking grown ups uh, Ben of course uh, nailed it by seeing a Pixar movie just with fucking teenagers <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I'm also about to turn 33 years old. Congratulations, birthday Benny. Yeah. Okay, the Ben Deuce. When this AK comes out. Ben. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Poet Laureate yeah. at the hospital. When this comes out, Mr. it'll be Positive officially my birthday. Tiebreaker. Um, Fart Detective Meat Lover. I was surrounded by high school Hello, kids. Dirtbag feeling Benny. very much like my Sucking own. Benny, aware of my own mortality, and it just was really hard to hear like teens sort of teetering and snickering. Oh, fuck master, don't call him Professor Crispy themselves. Graduate certain titles over the course of different races. It's a cuddle it's band, Chris Ben Kenobi, Ben Nightshawn, Lon, Ben Say, Say Ben anything, that, that, that. I, I was able to enjoy sign. the movie nonetheless. Ben, I've seen the film maker. And, English. uh, mm-hmm. 
got out of there there pretty quick. But you did text us. You you texted us like going in grumpy. I can't remember exactly. I hate teenagers. Going in with a bad attitude. Bunch of teens around me. I'm so old. I felt very like weird as just an old guy by himself sitting, you know, amongst the the children. Mr. Ben Cranable. Yeah. I I sat there. I was like, I think I've created the best circumstances. Yeah, I you're to like, see this, this movie. seems like a good vibe, right? And I sat there the whole time. There was never a moment that made me angry the way that Tomorrowland makes me angry. But I will also say there was not a, a moment where the movie felt transcendent for me. Okay. So I sat there right. the entire time being like, this is good. He's not fucking it up. I'm sure. waiting for it to click into that bird magic. Yeah. And instead, the magic for me was just good filmmaker. This movie's smooth. But I came out of it and was just like, I kind of feel like that script doesn't totally come together. Mm. And it feels a little bit to me like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom? Yes. Mm. Okay. Now, Temple of Doom, I find- Temple of Doom comes to- My problem with Temple of Doom, I think the last half hour is good. It's more the the getting there is a little rocky. Like, once you're on the minecart and shit, like, you know. That's, that's kind of what I- Rescuing the kids. Like, that's what I feel about, like, with this movie is, like, great set pieces. Yeah, yeah, Great action. This movie certainly- Story didn't work for It you. doesn't have a Willie Scott. It doesn't have a short round. It doesn't have characters that make me want to pull my eyes out of my head. Mm. But- Seems like a weird comparison to make, though. I'm like, this is a really good filmmaker. I don't know. Yeah. Constructing mm-hmm. really good entertainment. Mm-hmm. There are sections with ideas that I find really interesting. It's sort of- ends in a place that feels satisfying. Right. I don't really know what this movie amounts to. I read you after seeing it a second time. So I will, I'll talk about my pitch, experience. Which I right. I talked right. about the movie, right. Yeah. On Twitter.com, like an right. idiot. Yeah. Which is mostly just the website for feeling Mor- Morons. It, Moran. Morons. It's a, a website for morons. <laughs> yeah. Prego. Moranos. Um, uh, yeah, no, but so here's where, all right, so I saw it at a press screening. Humble brag. Uh, I was with Mother of Blankies, Emily Yoshida. Congratulations. And I think it was with Richard. Uh, Yes. Well, that's going to come up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was with Emily and Richard, our two favorite guests. Uh We saw it together. Our mommy and our daddy. Exactly. We saw it at the Lincoln Square. She got married to Richard Lawson, by the way. Sure. I'll do it. Um, Started at the Lincoln Square AMC. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a great theater. Look, it's certain it's, screens are great. Did you see it in no, the Dolby Prime? No, we saw it in a bad theater. Fuck. Like, and I'm not dis, but like, yeah, the, the the big theaters at the AMC are are great experience. Mm-hmm. The small theaters, they're still like inside. You know, there's plenty of seats, but they're they're kind of crummy. Picture was out of focus. Oh, just at first bad. Uh huh. I rush off. I say, hey, picture's out of focus. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know. Like, it's always a little weird, especially with press screenings, because they don't even really know who to bother. And they like 85% fix it. And then it. they fix it, but it's still a I've, little I've off. had this, and it drives me insane. And it drives me crazy. Absolutely not. So, Especially because you know how meticulous Bird is. And this is like when I walked in my screening of Phantom Thread, because I was like, I can't watch a movie about a guy who's so being persnickety right? <laughs> that's 5% projected wrong. So... And you know, it might, it's one of those things where the whole time I'm like, is it just back in focus? And I'm just like in my head about this, you know, like the, so the whole time I'm a little off Mm -hmm. and I watched the movie. I kind of had the same reaction as you where I was like the action in this thing just fucking is great. Yeah. Um, And there's so many character beats and story beats. I love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't really, I can't add it all up. Um, but I am just like, it's like uh, there's so many ideas. Yes. And there's like scenes like the screenslaver, like monologue, things like that, where I'm like, 
whoa, there's a lot going on here. I, I can't. And I get very buzzy and excited about movies like this, like yeah. this Star Wars. I really, this is like a Star Wars level movie where I'm just like sitting there being like, I hope this is good. Like, and I'm nervous. See, this is my most anticipated movie of the year. <sighs> sure. My most anticipated blockbuster of the year, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so I always walk out and I'm just like, I think I like that. Oh my God. Like, whoa. Yeah. So. And you texted me and you said, it's he didn't great. fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. He it's didn't really it weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, that's exciting. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Um, he didn't phone it in was the big thing you yeah, said. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was really worried about it, like just being on rails. Yeah. And I would always prefer a movie like this that's trying for too much than a movie that's like fine just sort of getting in and getting exactly. out. Exactly. Just yeah. you know. Um so then uh yeah, the, this weekend I went to Emily's wedding in North Carolina, Humble which friend. was wonderful. And on the way back, we drove because I'm a maniac. Double humble brat. Uh, and on the way back, who did you drive with? My girlfriend. Humble bag, triple brat. Hum- humble I bag, can't triple speak. bag. What the fuck? I meant That's to say card. humble brag. Can I make my case? <laughs> All right, okay. I meant to say Ben's holding up the card, <laughs> like he's threatening me. I meant to say humble brag hat trick. Now, in my defense, I'm sleep deprived. I've been burning the candle at both ends. I don't think that would have Spending been a great too much joke. time justifying jokes. Yellow cards. Oh, oh you you know he's right though. God, oh, this is why right. he's the commish. He's right. This is why he's the commish, and now that's a new nickname. God damn it! He should give us both like triple red cards. Oh. You're giving him a new nickname. And what if we also add Michael Chickless as one of his new nicknames? Yeah, of course, the yeah. chick. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, on the way back, driving up from NC. Uh huh. We stop over in like suburban DC, like in Virginia, okay. Northern Virginia. And I'm like, oh, there's like an Alamo here. Mm-hmm. We went to Nando's, which is like my favorite chain restaurant that's only down in DC. Mm-hmm. Like it's big deal. And right, you got the chicken sandwich. UK. Uh, no, I got a half chicken, uh, peri peri fries, garlic huh? bread, huh? peronese. I love it huh? all, man. Um, And we went to see at the Alamo, this like huge suburban Alamo. Wait a second. Wait massive. a second. I'm sorry. Did you say Bernays? No, it's something before that, Ben. Perinays. Just, I want to investigate this because this seems like, like a potential. Mayo with peri-peri spice. It's real good. Commissioner? Yes. I want to investigate this because it seems like a potential yellow card. Uh, go, go on. You said they have locations in the UK? So many. But how would you know that? I mean, he's probably traveled there, uh, you know, uh, well, I've traveled vacation. There. Yeah, that's sure. weird that you would eat fast there. food during a vacation. Would you want to have higher cuisine? You know, yeah, it's a sort of I like literally make thing. it a point to eat at Nando's as much as possible when I go back to the UK. Go back? Mm-hmm. Commissioner, permission to follow through on this? Follow through. What do you mean go back? That would imply that's a place... That I used to live. That's right. I used to live in the United Kingdom for 13 years of my oh life. My it's God. never been talked about on this podcast before, but it's time to talk about it. Yellow card. Keep your secrets. <laughs> Now I want the fans to keep track of how many yellow and red cards are distributed. Comedy points are done. It's all about the cards now, baby. <laughs> now I want to point also in soccer. I think it's two yellow cards is a red card and you're yeah. out. So this is clearly a different system. It's a very different system. Maybe there'll be other colors. I don't know. Also, I want to give Ben five comedy points for the card system. <laughs> really good. Really good. Uh, there are about 280 Nandos in the UK. Wow. There are five in America. All near DC. Jeez. Okay. So, so I went to this gorgeous you, draft uh, house. big theater. Mm-hmm. Great sound, full mm-hmm. audience. Like kind of like you, like yeah. good mix. It was Sunday, uh-huh. this Sunday. And uh 
Yeah, and then that's when I like it I was totally like, okay, right. all right. Now I think I settled into the story. These scenes popped out of me where, you know, it always helps to see a movie too once you know what the twists are and you sort of like can think about the themes a little more. And I'll say this too. I always feel like it's rough for me to formulate my thoughts on a Pixar movie the first time because the Pixar movies are the ones I've seen more than anything else. Yeah, so like, what, what's a mo- Pixar movie that's like risen for you over the years? Well, Ratatouille, you said. It's risen wildly for me. Yeah, I, I mean, at the time of its release, I would have put it maybe second to last. And now wow. I put it maybe third. To last. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one. <laughs> no, it's like third or fourth for me. I think yeah, that ranking yeah. I did the other day was fourth. It's or, numero uno for yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they're constantly shifting for me, which is why I do my ranking every time there's a new one, because in the year in between, I've rewatched like most of them again, you know, I'm trying to find your rankings. I'm just going to sift through all the fucking retweets of misery from you. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've heard about it, but the world's bad. It's not so good. No world. In fact, I would say, poo-poo, as you said on the Tomorrowland episode. Yeah. Uh, no good. Very bad. Don't do it. Yeah. You got toy story Two, Incredibles, toy story, Wally Ratatouille. Okay. Is the top five. Yeah. I mean, that's a solid top I think five. that's a good five. I think that's a gentleman's five. And then you got Nemo, I'd Monsters, Coco. I'd give my five a gentleman's ten. See, I actually like your basic order here. I think yeah. Bugs Life should be above Toy Story 3. But apart from that... Those are pretty close I'm, for me. I, yeah. you, know, you know, you got to like Mon- Nemo, Monsters, Coco, Inside Out. That seems like... That all flows nicely you, for me. You buy that. And then you, you get into... And then you're in the sequels. And you cars. think I overrank some of the second tier stuff? Oh, for sure. And you also you would put a lot of my second tier stuff into third tier. That's where we disagree. Well, you don't. Your your only third tier is Cars Two. Your Correct. entire third that's, tier is that's Cars the big, Two. Right. That's right. the big shift. Is you would put a lot of other movies around there. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the sequels. But also, Cars Two much. makes Cars Three look like Cars. And you have Up Low, which I'm fine with. Up is not a movie I've yeah. ever watched also, again. But I, I think Up like, is still interesting. Yeah, I like, like it. I just that's a movie right. with like, like thematic resonance right. and like set pieces that are interesting. That's like my 17th favorite Pixar movie. I like more than most movies. Yeah, well, maybe not 17. I also 16. don't care so much about the Pixar rankings as you do. Okay, you know what I mean. Like, I, I just mean like to me, it's like Brad Bird made yeah. a movie. Great. That's fine. We'll go to Turk. Mm. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, eh, no, seems seems on level yeah. to me. All right. So anyway, I really love the movie. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably going to be like in my top ten of the year. Maybe not quite Incredibles level, where it's like a contender for like my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. But really love it. Think it's great. Think it's got all kinds of shit going on. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um. And I want you to offer your analysis because I don't have much at this point. I just yeah. know the things that felt like they didn't really click for me. Um, but this is the last piece of context I want to throw on, which just kept on jumping out to me. Mm. Uh, he says, I finally got an idea. Now that Tomorrowland's bombed, I'm going to do Incredibles 2. Right. He starts digging into it. Mm. They've announced that, and they've announced Toy Story 4. Yeah. And then Toy Story 4 gets pushed back. Yeah. And Incredibles gets pulled forward mm-hmm. a year. Yes, it does. Which is very dramatic yeah. in animation. Yeah, this was made on a tight schedule. Uh, Brad Bird gave an interview to Kyle Buchanan uh, saying, like, I think fear is a motivating factor. We lost like, a year. We lost a year of development. And yeah. people talk about why the good Pixar movies are so tight. It's that they spend two years just fucking cracking story with a full team every day, not letting themselves off the hook, right. you know? Right. And the ones that just feel like immaculate, zero fat, clean, economic, smart storytelling are really good graduates of that program. One exception. What? Ratatouille. Yeah. 
and well, that's and the Toy, thing. Toy Story 2 is the same thing as two, well. Right, yeah. Those are the yeah. ones where they rushed them. Yes. They probably com- made everyone work way too hard and mm-hmm. were like violated all kinds of like right. laws. Toy Story 2 especially. <laughs> yeah. They say like it kind of that ruined some families. That one was like families. a year, right? Like yeah. they did that. They turned, like I think Ratatouille, they turned it around in two years. It was, Toy Story 2 was supposed to go straight to VHS. No, I know. We talked about it. Within the next six months. And Laster said, give me a year and I'll get it in theaters. Um, right, which and is then crazy. But then he touched a like, lot of people inappropriately. Yeah, gave too many. Lot, he gave lots of hugs. Lots, lots of hugs. If you know what I mean. Um, I hate the fucking universe. Sorry. And uh, uh, Jennifer Lee, good hire at Disney, I think, yeah. as well. As yeah, she, I think she's both the of those person are good who hires. sort of changed the Frozen script and yeah. I made mean, it sister focus. That seems like, Disney, like a creative yes, voice you want. Right. Disney has done a much better job of bringing new voices in on the animation side. <sighs> Can I say one I other thing? I want Pixar to do that. I want Pete Doctor to find interesting people and, and develop oh, yeah, totally. and nurture Me too. new Me voices. Too. And I hope he does That's that. what they need um, to do as a studio. And Ben, I don't want to hurt your feelings, and I don't know how you feel. Oh my God, his hand is reaching for the cards. I'm a little worried about Wreck It Ralph too. I just I saw the trailer in front of. Um, oh my God, his hand is under the <laughs> desk. I can't see what he's grabbing. He's got like more cards. He's still, he's motionless, but his. Fingers, Did you see the trailer for Wreck It Ralph too in front of uh, Incredible Something up. I see. Maybe no, it's. Still, <laughs> I think that was a nod under the desk. Yes, I saw it. <laughs> how do you feel? I'm just. I'm not like saying like, oh, it looks bad, but I'm still like, what? What's going on I here? I still can't see his other hand. Oh, he lifted it up. It's empty. <laughs> wow. He just opened nope. his hands. Nope. It's a death card. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Death card. You're doing tarot like a- card readings now? <laughs> that seems like a major upgrade this from card yellow card. This system's amazing. This is a massive breakthrough. <laughs> Am I dead now? Look at that spike in the audio. You're yeah. going to have to deal I with mean, that. I mean, in my defense, that was astonishing. It was. I think the podcast has just gone to a whole new level. I couldn't have known to, crazy. to roll away from the mic on that one. I didn't know. I thought that at worst we were going to get a red card. I thought there might be like a purple card, you know, like some sort of new color. I don't know. Maybe like a Ooh, American Express card. black card. This is a know? lot. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Crystal Pepsi, you know. He was going to buy me dinner. Yeah. David, I want to buy you dinner. I, I will say this about Wreck-It Ralph 2, which we should spoil, is going to be a Ben's choice when it comes out. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, we we're going to do he chose an episode on the Ralphs. I do feel a little scared by the way they have moved so fully away from video games. I, right. And now it just seems like this kind of like Shrek 2-y sort of like reference But that's what the trailer is. Like, the I don't know if the movie's going like to be that. looks like good emoji movie. But I'm still not super it looks like interested okay in movie. seeing a good emoji movie. Right. I guess I see your points. But I love Ralph and Vanellope. They're Ralph great so movie much. friends. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it because yeah. I just want more Ralph. Yeah. But... <laughs> Great, great point. We do get more Ralph. I want more Ralph. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get him. He's he's in it. He's gonna wreck stuff. And that's he's what, gonna wreck it. And that's what you know going into it. Right. You're gonna at least get that. They're making you a promise that they cannot break. Ralph what? may break the internet, but the movie won't break that promise. Right. No. He's gonna wreck it. He's gonna wreck it. You get more Ralph. But <laughs> you're right. It might be a little reference heavy, and it might be kind of more like commenting on contemporary online culture. Yeah. yeah. In a way that might. Might be a little like, all right, I get it. See, when Mm -hmm. you said like Wreck It Ralph 2 looks like Bad Track, 
I feel like Wreck It Ralph one is like better Shrek. Oh, totally. It's a really it's good a great deconstruction, good monster deconstruction like, yeah, of yeah. storytelling tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And totally. character yes. roles. Yes, you're right. You're right. You know, in a really smart way. And this, I'm just like, is it just going to be them making fun of different things in cold? Man, film? you know who else is on North Carolina? Uh, Katie Rich, another friend of the show. Oh, who lives there. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about Shrek because Charlie's been watching some Shrek. Yeah. Although Coco's his fave right now, apparently. Good kid. Uh, and she was just saying like Shrek's such a piece of shit. Yeah, blows. And not only that, looks terrible. Yeah, so he's there a, you go. Also, Shrek's a fucking loser. Also, Shrek sucks. Lives <laughs> yeah. in the fucking swamp. Buy an apartment, loser. We've talked about this probably like two hundred episodes job. ago. But do you remember when Shrek like three came out? Or I'm sorry, Shrek the Shrek third, the third came out. And they did the whole campaign with like the natu- national board for like children's health, where it was like Shrek like on a skateboard with like a, a fucking jug of milk and an apple saying "Eat healthy." Right. And it's like no one eats more <laughs> unhealthy it's shit. Garbage. There's a fucking set piece in Shrek one that's like him eating like pig pubes <laughs> and eyeball soup and shit. And they were like, Shrek says being in shape is fun. I'm like, first of all, he's fat. Second of he all, there's a burlap sack. Right, right. He like literally because dr- he can't find clothes that yeah. fit him. He drinks dog diarrhea for breakfast. Like, what are you talking about? His best friend's a donkey. That's a filthy animal. Also, here's a pitch for Shrek at Ralph. Okay, so Incredibles <laughs> two, blank Shrek. Would you say you had a blank Shrek to make that joke? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, good. Uh, no, but before we talk about Incredibles two, oh. what's before Incredibles two? A little Bow. film called Bow. Yes. Uh, let me find the name of the filmmaker because I forgot it. First female Pixar short director. That's depressing. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. They did have, I mean, obviously they had a female director on Brave who they fired. Yeah, they bravely fired but from she, her she own she is credited. Movie. Yes, as yes. a co-director. Uh, D- Domi Shi is the director of mm-hmm. Bao. Now, Bao. It was announced, oh, it's a movie about a mother raising a dumpling who becomes a boy. And everyone's like, uh, yeah, I what? see this and I'm like, I see like a little still from it and I'm like, one, you know, I'm a little sick of the Pixar cutie okay. thing. Yeah, I'm sick of your cutie thing. I am. That's true. A lot of too so much. cute. <laughs> and two, I was just kind of like viscerally like, my food is not going to talk to me. This was your argument. Nuh-uh. Doesn't come to life. It stays dead. And then I eat it. Asks too many questions. <laughs> right. How much is there consciousness? I don't want to like, have to think about this. Right. It's like cars times a billion. So now then we see the Are movie. They, right. Especially because you get into the thing where it's like, okay, what's so what's It is it's, cars times a billion. Right? Exactly. Right. But you're like a pork dumpling. So obviously pork, it was a pig who was alive. Then it gets ground into meat, then put in a bun. And then that yeah, right. gains its own consciousness. Is the pork the brain? Right. Does it have work? any memories of pre-slaughter? Hey, hey why so literal? Yeah, well, fair enough. Then I see the movie yeah, and I'm also, like, oh. Why so serious? Why so serious? You know, even though this is a pretty twisted movie. Yeah. Be, twisted. It, is, it gets a little twisted in the end there. Well, they twist the dumpling. Well, also true. That, a lot of twisting. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a metaphorical film about, like, uh, uh, an immigrant mother, mm-hmm. like, having to sort of let her son go and yes. grow up and right. he's going to be different and might be, you know, a little less, like, sort of you know, interested in the culture she wants to impart to him. Well, right? You know, like when this thing started working for me, where I was I, like, I get oh, the this is metaphor, very metaphorical. But this movie does two things I do not like. Okay. One, the food comes to life. Nope. <laughs> it does happen in the movie. Let's be clear. Two, so the like food that. has a little goatee. <laughs> Didn't like that. That's sort of like 1A, right? <laughs> two, 
there's a scene in this eight minute movie yeah. where she makes this fucking sumptuous oh, banquet. This is your least favorite thing. Oh, in and cinema. you see, there's this great shot of her like with in a like in a walk, like cooking a lot yeah. of meat, and you know she makes this like platter, yeah, and she's like, uh, and he just walks out. He's like, yeah, you know, don't want to eat that. Fuck yeah. off, leaves. And I'm just like, at that point, I, I'm practically like, we need to leave the theater. I need to go throw up. I liked it. I thought it I'm was. I'm so upset that they didn't eat the food. I thought it was a sweet little movie. To be if, clear for listeners, I don't like it when people don't eat food in right. movies. Uh, I, I really like the character animation on Surly Dumpling Boy. I did too. I, I liked I think what a little stinker he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it came together for me at the end. I thought it was a nice little thing. I, hey, they should let her make more movies. Sure. I mean, it was obviously a very personal movie for yeah. her. She's talked about it in interviews. Um, yeah. I Which mean, is, look, the best picture movies come out of the directors oh, who have really personal wait, stories to tell. Also, right, to the twisted part. She eats it. She eats the fucking dumpling person. Right. And, and, when and it's I, like a metaphor for like her anger and her inability to let go, but also she like eats the dumpling man. The theater I After saw After he's in, married a woman, yes. a human woman. Yes. I mean, the trauma that she's going to have to go comes through. comes in with, and then she's like, the human woman leaves and she eats the It's crazy. Hey, uh, how's your husband Jerry doing? Well, uh, his mom ate him. My mother-in-law ate my husband. You're familiar with how my husband was a, a naughty dumpling. little dumpling boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> the poochie of dumplings. Um, <laughs> Oh my god! Oh uh, my god! In the Ooh. theater, I saw it's it. It's a lot to throw at anyone. I think the theater I saw it in. I also just want to acknowledge the fact that we are still only on the short that plays before the movie. Um, Honestly, for this podcast, we're doing fine. Who fucking cares? <laughs> uh, the theater I saw it in when she swallows him, and it's like very quick. She just goes, yeah, like, she goes, like, Pop, right, and then just like in the tummy. The theater I saw it in, someone not like yelled it out like they were trying to get credit for it, but just very loudly said. Uh, you just ate your son. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what she did. Good, good cognitive abilities on you. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, um, a fascinating short. Certainly more interesting than yes. some of the shorts they've had recently. Like, you know, movie, like shorts like Piper, where it's like, this is very pretty. Looks great. It's like an incredible piece yeah. of animation, but it's, you know, there's right. not much to right. it. Right, so, you know, it's not a Piper, but it also fails to reach the heights of, say, lava. <laughs> I love my curvy volcano. Um, <laughs> it's the thing. She's not curvy, though. It's, it's, it's one about of the, the guy. Many, yeah, the guy's fucking curvy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's a mound. It's like Kevin James of volcano. He's <laughs> a Shrek of volcano. Okay, I love you, David. Um, <laughs> can I just say one thing before we get onto the movie? Because <laughs> How many times have we said, can I just... <laughs> can I just say one thing? <laughs> yeah. Because you brought up Twisted. Mm. I have a big announcement, career announcement here. Okay. Um, I have just signed a deal with uh, Warner Brothers, the new DC Entertainment, mm. to do a solo Joker film. Interesting. Very okay. excited. I think it's going to be a breakthrough. It's, it will be the fifth solo Joker film mm -hmm. to market. Right. So we're going to have Leto, we're going to have Phoenix, and then this is on top of that. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you're, you'll have uh, the, whoever the new Joker is established in the, the Matt Reeves movie. Mm -hmm. um, and then this, I guess this will be the fourth new Joker to market. Good. But it's very different because I'm sort of taking a Logan approach. Sure, sure, It's going to be like an older Joker who's tired of making people laugh and gassing them and all of that. It's him coming to terms with his mortality. It's called Richard T. So, made the joke on Twitter, wanted to repurpose it for the podcast. One dollar for that, their stock would immediately drop to zero. Just like that, boink. It's called Richard T. I'm recycling Twitter jokes because we have to look after our environment. So, the film is called... Incredibles, Incredibles 2. 2. No, the. No. 
Drop it's cleaner. The the it's cleaner. Uh, Bird said when people asked him about it, he was like, "It's not the Terminator 2. And I was like, "Good argument. Good point, buddy. Fucking Terminator cool 2. way to win that one." Yeah, yeah. I, I had to like people had to probably go home and cry after he annihilated them with that response. So cold opening this movie, I'm getting pumped because they're immediately bringing it's, back one of my favorite characters, the Underminer. Tony Reidinger. <laughs> oh, that's right. The cold open. Right, right. I love Tony Reidinger. Tony Reidinger, who Tony Love. Um, who I think is voiced by Brad Bird's son. Who in the first movie played the something amazing, I guess. Now he's on older. a tricycle. Now he's older. Little interesting nod to the passage of time, Benny. Michael Bird. Michael Bird. Uh yeah, he's been in uh No, apparently he was the voice of Tony Reidinger in The Incredibles. Really? I don't know. So then maybe it was the other bird son. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Anyway, uh, Tony Rattinger, he's got a turtleneck. Okay, so dreamy. He's very dreamy. Yeah. Do you like Tony? Yeah. Okay. He's polite. A little doofusy. I'm mean, not doofusy, but you know. He's a, a nice little, boy. little head in the clouds, I guess. Yeah, what is his type? Dreamboat. He's like a nice boy. He's Tony like a nice Lowe. boy like from nice, high school. Approachable. Where your mom's boy. not gonna like freak out about you uh-huh. dating, right? Okay. Like he's like a nice boy. He's like a fuck boy. He's in drama. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um but but one thing jumps out to me immediately. We talked a lot about on our Incredibles episode, which was very tight, very short. No tangents. Um how <laughs> Universally acclaimed. Everyone loved it. Probably our most favorite episode, uh, favorited episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie, when he pitched it, they were like, we cannot afford to make this movie. And they had to come with a lot of budget hacks for Incredibles. Okay. And one of them was, this movie has too many characters. Okay. So they developed a technology called Everyman mm-hmm. that allowed them to have pretty much two stock body types for a female character and a male character. And they could fill out crowd scenes with minor variations. Uh-huh, it would uh-huh. like auto-generate like, okay, this nose is 20% bigger, these eyes are 20% smaller. And so outside of the primary principal characters in The Incredibles who are very meticulously designed, mm-hmm. all the background characters in Incredibles and the one-liners, the under-fives, what have you, all look kind of the same. Sure. And Tony Ryder falls into that where he's very much the stock mold they have. Mm-hmm. He's very subtly redesigned in this opening in a way that makes it clear that it's like, oh, Brad Bird has, if not a blank check, a much larger check. I'm sure this was a, well. The listed budget is two hundred million dollars. Right, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's like twice as much as the first one. Yeah, and I mean, it's been a while. Technology's advanced. He hasn't made an animated film in like a decade now. Right. So all these things, the the processing power is there. But this I just, movie looks gorgeous, unbelievable. I mean, it really does. He also has found a way to do like it's not cell shading, but he does some really interesting things with lighting in this movie mm. and also designing the characters at sharper angles yes especially the new characters like the devers but even the way he subtly redesigns the models for the incredibles mm-hmm. um so that the lighting hits them in a way that it looks more like shading on a 2d drawing than it does lighting in a three-dimensional film uh-huh which kind of blew me away yeah i think I, he's doing something amazing. really interesting yeah, yeah yeah but so that right away i was just like okay so he's gonna push this fucking technology to the limits now and this cold open is kind of replicating the cold open of the original Incredibles where you're cutting between these brief conversations and the black yes, music yes, list yes, title yes. cards. Which I was like, okay, interesting mirror here. But now it's Rick Decker. Now by Jonathan, by Banks, Jonathan Banks. Because Bud yeah. Lucky died, who was still very much alive when we recorded our other episode 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, interviewing old. Very old man. And he gets the final dedication at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. He's interviewing Tony Reidinger about what he witnessed, which was this underminer attack that was teased 
at the end of the first movie, and then we go into that set piece itself. Yeah, you got John Ratzenberger. He's kind of playing like, it's like a mole man, but a little more blue collar. Right. Kind of a blue collar mole man. But I always loved the Underminder ending because, of course, that's the first issue of Fantastic Four is the mole man and his creature popping out from the middle of the street and this family coming together. Incredible is obviously very indebted to the Fantastic Four and having them have this first big public fight feels very classical FF to me. Okay. Um, And this is just like fun fucking roller coaster set piece Brad Bird. So much fun. Um, You got uh, Mr. Incredible trampolining Mm -hmm. into action and getting sucked into the... I really like that. And the good story beat that they tell uh, Dash and Violet to stay behind and watch after Jack-Jack. Okay. But both of them want to be part of the yes. fight. Yeah. So, so they, they keep, keep on sort of hot Jack potatoing Jack off. off. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The bit with the the stroller just rolling into view. Really good. And Jack-Jack's like, or Dash is like, what happened? And then it's like, oh no, it's Violet. She was pushing it. Invisible runs away. Good stuff. Violet good does talk. some cool shit. She throws like force field bolts. Yeah, and like, Violet's the fucking best. Violet has a lot to do in this This movie one. does a lot right by Violet yeah. for me. Uh, I read a lot of interviews with Vowel. Mm-hmm where she talked about how she records just alongside Brad Bird. Brad Bird does every single voice uh-huh. uh, of every other character, which she says he's, like, weirdly good at. Yeah. But she talked about how, like, when you record the movie, you're like, man, this is like a Violet movie. Because yeah. you don't hear you don't the know other stuff. Right. Like, wow. right. You know, like that. And if you watch, like, there's a good B-roll video that came out. I think someone posted in the Blankies Reddit of uh, Bird working with, like, uh, Sophia Bush and Hunter and Nelson and Jackson when they were recording. Mm-hmm. And he really does like contextualize every line for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he comes in and works with them and he's like, so this is like, you have to imagine there's like a giant drill and what you're feeling right now is before they do a series of that line over and over again. So I think he does make things very personal for each actor, you know? Right. Um, which helps with their performances feeling that lived in. Yep. So, so this is a fun fight scene, which Great. ends in a tremendous amount of destruction. Chaos. And here I'm like, okay, so is this, because I've tried to stay pretty clear, not just spoilers, but major plot details of this movie going into it. Because I was like, I'm on board. I don't even really want to know what he's doing outside of the broad strokes. Uh-huh. And all that I'm hearing is just the basic plot. And I'm like, but what are the themes of this movie? What's the thing that Bird's digging into? So now, very qu- quickly, this movie's setting up this like, yeah, but look at the fucking public damage of this thing. Sure. You say that you're out here protecting us, but you didn't catch the guy. Right. People could have gotten hurt, and now the city has to pay for this. Which is the classic superhero thing. Mm-hmm. They do these things, and the villains usually get away because they're going to come right. back. Right. And right. Like, what about the aftermath? That's the gag of the first Incredibles, too. Right. You know, the first Incredibles, comma, T-O-O. Right. Because here's the other big gambit Fire this fight. movie is doing. Starting immediately after the first one. Right. Which- so you don't have any shift of, like, oh, here's what's happened in between the two so we can set a new table for new circumstances. No, he wants to make a movie about like, okay, if they're going to come back, how do you re-legalize superheroes? Like, this is a world that made them outlaws, right? Right. So this movie is about like the legal question of superheroes. Like, should they exist? Because I guess the Underminer fight at that point in the movie, it's a couple weeks after they do that quick time bit, jump. Right. After There's a very short time jump right at the end of the movie. Thing, right. Which we never really see the public, like the larger public ripples of the syndrome fight. Obviously, the people who are around in the immediate vicinity are like cheering and are like, yay, supers are back. But we don't see how the news covers it. We don't know, you know. Rick Decker seems optimistic about bringing them back. But uh, we don't know the full sort of 
effects of that culturally. But this makes it clear that people are fighting against it. The government is. Yes. People seem mostly fine with them, which I think is a crucial part of this movie. But the media is able to sell the story. Yeah, well, that's that's um, Winston's yeah. argument, where right. he's like, all you see is the news footage of the aftermath, and that's no good for you guys, and that's a problem. Ben, what do you think of the big underrender fight? Great set piece. Okay. Uh, I loved his vehicle. Mm-hmm. And big, how big drill. It was a big drill. I love how he had it built so that then it had the escape Yes. Designed right into oh, it. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. where it tunnels away. Uh, sort of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-esque. Remember how they yeah. had those drill cars? Yeah. yeah. Bebop rocks. Right? Um, and there's just some really great pun names. Mm-hmm. This one in particular is good. I think, though, a villain that's just driven for money mm-hmm. is such a clear thing. Yeah. That, and we'll get to it later, but I, I don't know. The, the like To me, I'm like, oh, he's bad and he wants money. This whole like weird sort of like loftier, sort of like bigger ideas of why someone's bad. Mm. I, I, I feel like this movie... Struggles with it more than the original does. Yes, for sure. Which I think, like, you know, uh, Becky Drysdale in our episode was talking about how she has a hard time totally reconciling syndromes. A whole sort of stance, mm-hmm. what he's fighting for within the story, and also what he represents I also, to the viewer. I like his jackhammer punching... Uh, the the underminer. I think that's cool. Oh yeah, that he's got yeah, his weird mechanical cool. hands. Just, I fucking love it. Yeah, cool. And his hands themselves also look like Wally's claws. Yeah, they're little claw hands. Which I don't know if that was intentional, but they're a very similar sort of flat claw hand Maybe design. It's in, I don't know. Yeah, I think Bird likes Easter eggy stuff. I yeah. mean, and the Pixar movies always uh, love Easter egging each other. Yeah. Right, love that. Um, I I couldn't totally figure out what he was trying to say with the villains here. I think he's trying to say a couple different things. Uh-huh. Well, we'll and, talk about, well, I mean, the main villains we'll talk about. Right. The Underminer is but more your classic like, comic book And villain, also, yeah. we so rarely get that in superhero movies these days because it's usually people who are trying to end the world in one way or another. Well, right, which it's I think It's nice when you just him. have, like, petty bank thieves. Like, right. a thing I love about Again, Spider-Man 2 is that yeah, he has yeah, a yeah. bank heist sequence. I, and I also just like, well, yeah, Spider-Man 2 ha- with, with Joel McHale. Yeah. And the toaster. Yeah. I love that. The best. Well, and also, but I, I, I even like in Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 recently. Masters. How the fuck did we not nominate Rosemary Harris for <laughs> you, Best Supporting Actress? You love her in that movie. She's so good. You gotta do Raimi because I really want to talk about the Spider-Man movies. Me but too. anyway, um, but Homecoming too. I like that Homecoming has the uh, the sort of working class villain where yeah. he's just like, I'm, not, I'm trying to make some money here. Yeah. Right. You know, which is, I mean, Spider-Man's always been the classic street hero. So yes. Yeah. No, all of Spider-Man 2's sp- problems come from the Spider-Man arc. Spider-Man 2 doesn't have any problems. I'm sorry. Spider-Man Homecoming's oh, yeah, problems sure. come from the Spider-Man arc or lack thereof. Sure. All its world shit, I think, is exemplary. Um, but but yes, it is nice to just watch a very clear, like, he's trying to rob the bank. They have to stop him. They're yep. four of them. We know what their powers also, are. Also, his way of robbing banks is cool where he blows up the bank so they fall down and he can just suck money from underground. Right. Like, the, the banks literally, like, fall and he has, Down. doesn't he have that speech where he's like, I'm undermining yeah. the pillars of your, like, yeah. it's a like great where it's like, right, this is how like Stan Lee would come he up has with a like good a villain. Bit, right, where it's right. like the villain's bit is part of everything he <laughs> right. does. Right. Yeah, his car, his, his morals. In a like, very Brad yes. Bird way. It's like yeah. the design has to match up with his philosophy, which has right. to match up right. with his which movement. Is, you're right, it is the classic. Love it. The classic good Stan Lee villain. Yeah. The bad ones are the guy who's like, my name is the schemer. And it's like, what do you do? I scheme. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. What I've got a great mean? scheme. Yeah, I'll I, kill you. Right, my teeth are laser. my hands together and they get hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess that's scheming? Because yeah, that's right. a gesture. I just that read this old comic with the schemer where he's like, I'm going to scheme to take over the mob. And I'm like, you sound like a mobster. And he's like, no, <laughs> the schemer. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, there are some of those characters like, the shark. What's your power? I'm ruthless like a shark. <laughs> Okay, you're just, that's all criminals. I also don't sleep. Right, yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the bit with the kingpin in the in the Stan Lee Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Every time, like, Spider-Man is always like, hi, he's so fat, and then he punches him. He's like, I forgot, he's solid muscle. <laughs> and you're like, we get it, okay, he's strong. But they're like, can you believe a fat man, but not fat, muscle. Like, they do that every single time he shows up. But I also like that the kingpin, it's like... He gets mad about being called fat. He's yeah. like, I'm not fat. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm like, work hard on this body. Dude looks pretty fat. I mean, he's a big man. I'm just bulking up. <laughs> you're right. I'm building muscle mass. When Spider-Man's always like, hi, you're so fat. And then he's thinking like, he's not though. It's all muscle. Yeah. It's every time. I, I know that the, the fucking Marvel TV, Marvel uh, movies thing is a Rio Grande line that doesn't seem like it'll be crossed anytime soon because of uh, Perlmutter uh, Feige fights. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would love to see uh, Tom Holland fight Vincent D'Onofrio. Hey, man, let's make it happen. It would just be the fucking best. Oh, I think, isn't, good. isn't fucking uh, Lee of Schreiber playing Kingpin in the Spider-Verse movie? Oh, voicing him? That's what I've heard. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. That movie looks really interesting. Yeah. Like, visually. Remember Look, when I said that six looks. months ago and you were like, eh, and I was like, Looks pretty interesting. I think I wasn't that dismissive. I'm more dismissive of the title. Ugh. Well, yeah, it should just be called Spider Verse. All right. Anyway, so the big fight happens. They get in trouble. Mm-hmm. They're shipped away as usual in their witness protection program. Our old friend Decker, and he makes it clear, like, look, they're shutting the whole thing down. He has this line: "Politicians don't understand people who do good things. Uh-huh. That makes them nervous." Mm-hmm. And in general, he's really nice with them. Yes. Like where he's like, I love you guys, but you know, yeah. It's like they just don't want to pay for this shit anymore. Yeah. Go on. What were you guys? Which gets into something culturally now where I feel like this entire, not to get into this fucking thing, but like the social justice warrior thing is so insane (laughs) to me because it comes out of this fight of like, wait, if you're trying to like stand up for people who are being persecuted, there clearly must be something in it for you. Right. Like, when people derisively call someone a social justice warrior, it's like, you're just trying to get the credit for doing the good thing. And it's like, why are you so skeptical of anyone trying to do a good thing? And also, kind of doesn't matter as long as you're doing a good thing. Yeah. Like, no. better to do a good thing for the wrong reasons yeah. than a bad thing for the right reasons, you know? Um, but but at this point, the movie's kind of dealing in interesting kind of murky territory where it's like this public relations fight the imagery, the the sort of uh, I, I don't the optics, mm. if you will, and the Incredibles are coming from this place where it's like they don't have a big ideology. They love being superheroes. Right. It's their it's their like core being is just to do this. There's a place of sort of automatic empathy for them and justice where it's like they don't have a thing they're standing for. It's just like oh danger, let's stop that. Right. I mean that's one thing Winston is sort of pointing out to them, but yeah, where he's like you know. It's good to to manicure this a little bit, sure. you know, streamline what your, yeah. your 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 plan of action. Right, but um, the movie is uh being made so many years after mm-hmm. the first one, and there's been all these superhero movies since. So, so here's the core of your little bit. Rate. I do yeah. think Bird's been watching that and thinking about it, like because I think he's Where a I guy who thinks this. about this shit. Yeah, yeah. And the movie is like, 
is is there a place for these people yeah. in our society? And what is their place? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? And right when they get to the hotel, they have this big fight, which is essentially like, should we break the law? Right. In order to like fix the law. Like, is it worthwhile to do that? This is the angle of your take that I find the most interesting, which is why do we keep on asking for this from our pop culture? Right. Why have we been on this kick for 16 years that we have not stopped? In 2008, everyone thought this is the end of an era, and then fucking Iron Man and Dark Knight came out. Yeah. I feel like at the end of last year, everyone went, we must be hitting peak superhero, Sure. and we're now going to get the three highest grossing superhero movies. I mean, really, like, there's a good chance that Incredibles ends up the third highest grossing superhero movie of all time behind— You're right. I didn't even think about it. You're right. Behind Black Panther and Infinity War. Right. You know? Which came out this year. Right. Which are all going to end up in the top ten in history. Um, so there's a question about Ben is, is (laughs) looks like he's having an existential crisis, but there's a question. Why, why do we ask for this? What are we getting from this? Is this helping us or hurting us to be constantly investing our sort of imagination into these pillars of moral integrity who are also so wildly superpowered that we just go like you deal with it. Yeah. And also like. What are the risks inherent in that? It's funny because like I do feel like Incredibles 1 is this movie that's like they should be allowed to be superheroes because mm-hmm. that's what they are. And right. that's where people see this argument of like, you know, this sort of like super elitist whatever. Yes. You know, where it's like Dash should be able to run as fast as he can because that's what he can do. So right. like why would you restrain him? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's the sort of free enterprise yeah. kind of thing. And then this movie is a little more like you can't deny that. But also, you know. There's a lot of risk there. Yeah. Because uh, this is a movie about superheroes being used for evil. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie about morality and how people who don't have any morality are the most frightening, like, dangerous people of all. Yeah. And it's a movie that ends with, like, the villain saying, like, we would have been friends if it weren't for your, like, code of ethics. Yeah. Yeah. And Miss- and Elastigirl's like, yeah, I mean, Sorry. Like, that's a crucial line. I mean, there's... I agree. The, the Evelyn-Helen is the, you know, that's like the crucial relationship. Look, I like all their scenes together. Oh. Yes. But I came out of the movie being like, I still don't understand why she did this. What do you mean? She hates superheroes. But I don't understand this being her plan. What, what, what you mean the hypnotism? We will get to it. Okay. Okay, so let's... So now they're relocated to a shitty motel. Yes. Which is nice bird. And I feel like this movie really doubles down on the 60s stuff. Totally, totally. Like it makes it a little later maybe. Like, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it makes it very clear that, well, not because, I mean, it's like 30 seconds later. I know. You know what I'm saying. You know, like the stuff like the new math. Like, you know, he's talking about like, right, yeah. But but I feel like this makes it clear, like this isn't just- like Mad Men house. An aesthetic choice. Right. We're clearly like setting this movie in like Walt Disney's Tomorrowland Future right. version Especially of the, the house 60s. with the water features and the but the TV yeah, yeah. being black and white, TV being the white, things outer that are broadcast, and, uh, right? It's Johnny like Quest, this is one hundred percent the nineteen sixties, yeah, just an alternate version, right? Um, <clears throat> they <clears throat> they get to this motel, yeah, and uh, they're all sort of trying to like figure out like where do we stand here and having this thing they're explaining to the kids about like you know can we break the law. Right. Um, which is like a thing I see coming up now with like all the the sort of uh, immigration nightmares that are happening right now with people being like, the only way to really fight this is to actually be. Right. To break the law. Yeah. Right. 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 And in the first movie, Helen is pretty steadfast. It's like, well, superheroes illegal. Like, right. 
that's over. You know, right. Bob's the one who's like secretly doing the police scanner. But as I saw him. someone tweet this week, mm-hmm. like Harriet Tubman was breaking the law. No, people, of course. I'm not, I'm not. Our, right. Yeah. No, no, no. We're, I, we're on the same page here. Yeah. Slavery, bad. But, um, no, but the argument that Harriet like, should be on the 20. Let's the people who are, are canonized, mm-hmm. right, as being like our big trailblazers in human rights were all breaking the law at the time. Sure, absolutely. Who then were able to remake the law yes. by their actions. And so that's one of now, let's add that onto the pile of arguments that the movie is sort of stewing on. Sure, but right. I mean, like, that, that, that to me is a core argument of should superheroes be legal, where it's yeah. like. Bob is basically, he keeps saying, like, the kids need to be able to choose. Like, he's saying, like, again, like, kind of like, we are a thing. Like, we yeah. can't just be ignored. Now, Helen seems a lot more rational about it. Well, but, she's the rational right, one. But right, but Bob's Bob, also coming. Bob has so much, like, self-worth issues wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. Helen's more chill as, like, I have a family that I love. Like, I'm doing okay. She was also fine leaving it behind. Yeah. I think she gets a rush out of doing it again. Yes. But she's Bob, so it's very it. clear he's so miserable at the beginning of Incredibles right. 1. And then he gets such a pep in his step from, like, getting reignited by the Mirage Syndrome stuff. Right. Whereas his arc in this movie is him realizing that he gets so much out of being a dad. Like, that's that's his arc in the movie. Right. Which I mean, I, it's a cl- I mean, Bird just flipped the arcs. It's, like, it's a classic sequel move. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's a career thing where it's, like, he needs to find a way to not only find value in right. his career. Because at the beginning of this movie, like, they're like, Elastigirl, you'd go do it. And he's like, what? But I'm the... Yeah. I'm the bacon getter, you know, because right. she even says earlier, she's like, well, why don't you do that? And I'll get that. And he's like, no, no, I'll do it. Like, yeah. you know, he thinks he's going to have to go back to another insurance company or whatever. Right. Yeah. But he won't like allow her to like supplant him in this sort of hierarchy. Right. You know, I, I had like a vaguely terrifying moment the other day where I had to go uh, get out of jury duty. Oh, um, sure. Or get it postponed rather until right, I'm, right. I'm done uh, taking to, it up. Yeah. And uh, I had to fill out one of those forms where, you know, all the information, but then it also said, like, occupation. Mm-hmm. And then it said hobbies. Okay. okay. And I was like, occupation, actor, I, I guess. And then it was like, yeah, yeah. right, uh, hobbies. And I was like, fuck, I think I don't have hobbies anymore. <laughs> you, this form just gave you an existential It really crisis. did. And I was like, everything. Buying toys. No, but I was like, everything. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, toys. <laughs> But this is what's terrifying for me is I was like everything I would have listed as a hobby 10 years ago uh-huh. is now my career outside of that. So like what? Like seeing movies? What do you mean? Like, oh, like, oh, like a comedy, reading sure, sure, movies, sure, sure, sure. you know, like wh- whatever it was like hosting badass podcasts. <laughs> right. Right. These things that I was like, I find this fun. Right. You know, and then well, I that have, sounds good. Your job is the thing you find fun. But I also was like, I have no separation from like sure, right. my professional life and the things that like make me happy. You can't just go home and say like, let me let me just do this to unwind. Like right. nothing to do with. And I've been talking to you about, uh, you know, like production stress, the like par for the course, just like, you know, it's about making a TV show. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, part of the problem is it's like I am completely incapable of just like hanging my hat up at yes. the end of the day and being like, I got to go to sleep. No. I had this moment where I was like, I need to find – like I need to get into like fucking making paper or like some sort sure, of you like – you need like to join need, a choir. Like, yeah, like, you just I need, need to do something just that's right. other. Right. Right. Um, because like I, I have nothing. My entire, sports my entire sense of self-worth is tied up in this thing, but also like if I have struggles with that thing, right. Then it, it just has ruins the ability your to completely life. ankle That's me. work-life balance, right? That's what you're talking right. about. Right. I don't have children. You could have a couple. 
I, I'm like, let's get on that, you know? Yeah, toss uh, When everyone sees me, they're like, that seems like someone who is so in control of his own life. He should have direct. Right, like, why does that guy have kids? <laughs> Screaming out for him. He's so good at waking up. <laughs> um, Going to the bathroom and stuff. He's just but, like, great the, at it. The Bob stuff was kind of hitting me hard there because it's sure. like, especially like if your career is going well, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, mm-hmm. look, I relate to Bob. I'm a superhero. Right? Yeah, it's true. Um, it's like, then the moments where you don't have that thing, I, am I getting a card for that? You're close. Okay. okay. Um, God knows what card it's going to be. The moments when you don't have that thing get really bleak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, our to, old friend Lucia to talk up. about Bob's arc, like right, it's about him accepting the value he can draw from his family and from being a dad. Right. Uh, Lucia shows that, up. That, that can be the as satisfying. That Absolutely. Like yeah, parenting when done properly can be a heroic. Act. Absolutely. Um. And so yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lucius shows up, looking hotter than ever, looking a real snack. He looks. So I get so. That's the worst thing about our Incredibles episode, the universally acclaimed episode, mm-hmm. is that you, not you, really. Uh, uh, Becky does it more, but you kind of like you know uh-huh. you have fun. Get a little where she's like, you have a crush on Lucius? Yeah, yeah, he's hot. He's a hot guy. Yeah. So cool. He's hot. So hot. He's cool. Right. He's ice. Someone said that uh, that little uh, tangent in our episode mm. caused them to apply, a, what is it, Rule 34? Sure, sure. Like, look up the sexy yeah. Frozone. A lot of Frozone porn out there. Stunned. Stunned to learn this. Frozen rules. Yeah. You know, Usher plays the limo driver who says, I'm your biggest fan. Really? And that's because Usher loves Frozen. I'm almost certain it's Usher. I'm going to look it up. That's funny. Um, yes. Yeah. Usher. It's just weird. He loves that, Frozone. Right. Outside of like all the, um, you know, Elastigirl uh, porn that Anthony Lane has commissioned himself. Boing. He literally is a boing joke. That's what it is. Yeah. Check out the New Yorker. You know, the New Yorker, <laughs> the most sophisticated publication around. What's up? You know, the New Yorker. Yeah. You've heard of the New Yorker. Elitist man with a monocle looking at a butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Their funny review. cartoons yeah yeah but but not so much laugh out loud funny as hmm, how wry funny right their review of the incredibles includes a paragraph <laughs> about, about how attractive boner. their head and most senior critic was to elastigirl ending with a joke about the popcorn on your lap <laughs> being flung up into the air no because you're Boner. <laughs> Red card to him. Yeah. But talking about the scene where uh, Elastigirl and Evelyn t- chat to each other, which yeah. I do think is, uh, you know, there is like a sort of tension to that scene that's but uh, not not quite boing, you know, uh, tension. Agreed. I think there is some interesting tension. <laughs> right. He also implies that every time two women talk on screen, he's like, why isn't this rated NC-17? <laughs> what is, th- how do they get away with this? Oh, boy. Oh boy! All right. Oh boy, yo yoing. I think you mean. Yeah. Um. So, Lucius looking fucking hot. <sighs> yeah, he's like, like, come with me. So I got during our big adventure, this right. guy Winston Dever, who we see in this great action yeah. sequence, played by Odenkirk. Yeah. Also looking at snack. Yeah, and also looking a lot like Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> oh, who's a hottie? Yeah, number one hottie. Um, gave me his card and like he wants to talk to us about super stuff. Yeah. And so they put on their costumes. I just put love on the trench coats. I love that. It's so good because it's just. I like, love them sans mask. Right. Clearly wearing superhero like unitards underneath trench coats. There's such a cool meshing of styles there. Um, 
I, I also like, um, you know, the first movie has that sort of, it's playing on that vibe of Bob's having an affair, right? right like with right. Mirage and it ends yeah. with him hugging her and the right. last girl's all mad. And like, it's got the, like the, the, she listens in on the phone and yeah. she, and this is like the, the married couple have kind of rekindled and like, they're putting on their coats and they'd be like, bye kids. Uh, we're going out for a walk. Right. Uh, it feels you like- know, watch, watch the baby. All right. See you later. You know, pizza on the table. Right. Are, are they going to like a key party? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. No, right. Are like, they going to fuck that? Frozone? Cause Frozone shows up and looking at, looking and David's at- there like, oh, God, they better fuck Frozone. <laughs> And Anthony Lane's like, boing. <laughs> ah, I mean, everyone knows that Elastigirl is like so, so hot, but like, you know, fucking relax. They're it's all, okay. I mean, look. No, Elastigirl's like very, very, very cool. I can't say cool that because lady. she's my mother, but. Right. Yeah. Um, Holly Hunter. Did you have that little teaser in front? Yeah, which was really uh, weird at AMC theaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, where it's like where they're like making you, a movie like this, this is yeah, really hard. Like, meaning. takes a lot of work, and we're like, okay, we'll brag about it. I'll tell you why. I, I want that in front of like Den of Thieves. <laughs> you know, like in front of like the stupidest movie. Before ever. you make fun of us, just know like it's the <laughs> death- Buzz, look. I mean, it's four months of my life on this. <laughs> it's the deathbed, the bed that eats people bit, where it's like someone had to wake up at four a.m. and toast the bagels. You know, this is a lot of people working a lot. Um, I'll tell you why I didn't like it. Felt like they were stealing my bit. What are you saying? No one should ever make an animated movie? Yeah. Yeah. They were were stealing your bit. It's also like, fucking calm down. We know it took 14 years. We paid. It's okay. Yeah, we're fine. That's what the money is for. To quote the great John Draper. Right. That's like one of the, uh, oh, I I talked about Sky High on Masterpiece uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Theater recently uh, joined the Six Timers Club. And uh, are you the only member of that club? No. Really? Who else is in there? Uh, what's his? I'm forgetting now. Oh boy! I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I threw in my old Sky High Blu-ray, and it had like three because that was like first wave of Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Three anti-piracy ads at oh, the top sure, of the right, Blu-ray, right. and I'm like, I just bought it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I know. Like you wouldn't two, steal a right. car in 2008. I'm sure I paid thirty-five dollars for Sky High on Blu-ray, Who's lacking. That? Any Remember bonus that features? Old Mindy Kaling stand-up bit about that. Yeah, where it's like I might steal a car if I just had to click a button and right. then it was free and if no I one could, ever bothered right, me. If I could about touch it. a car and it would immediately reproduce into another identical car, <laughs> and the person who owned that car in the first place still got to keep their car. <laughs> um, I was right. like, this is the last person you should be telling. Like, please watch our movie. I'm like, we're here. Um, yes, we're here. Winston Dever. Yes. Here's his tragic story. His dad was this captain of, captain of industry type, loved superheroes, yeah. right? Sort of like a, right? He's sort of like a pre-war, you know what I mean? Like a yes. 40s guy, like, yeah. who's just like, America. Yeah. Loves heroes because they're her- heroic. Mm-hmm. He loves Gazer Beam. Yeah. Nice little Gazer Beam shout out. Gamma Jack. Um, he had phones. Yeah. Right? He's like a classic he golden line. age. He financed them so much. Right. They had a direct line to Gazer Beam and the, the flame one. Uh, why am I forgetting like his flame-oid. Uh, Guy? No, not Guy. Guy is like a thunderbolt in his head. Okay. Yeah. Okay, he has his name. He has a dumb name. Yeah, okay. Um, but right, like, don't he's like a golden age of comics guy, right? Yes, yes. Where it's just like, it's great that there are superheroes because what they do is they fight crime. Crime is bad. Right. That's sort of like the whole take of a golden age superhero. Yes. Like, yeah, If you're yeah. a criminal, 
They fight you. The and, end. and also, I think the idea that they like inspire people, that they're like good, upstanding, right, like, right, right. sort good of good Americans, exemplars, who wear of, masks, yes. <laughs> and won't reveal who they are. Yeah. Um. Um. Th- yes. So this stuff, I I get to this chunk of the movie, and right, and then he died after the superheroes are banned. He gets robbed. He picks up the phone. No one's there. He gets shot. Right. right. And I get like a little worried at this moment, uh-huh. just because I'm like. You're thinking like is Brad like grinding an axe? Is that what do you? What? No, I get worried where I'm like, okay, he's really showing the work here. Oh sure, yeah, I agree. The first this is such this scene, a clear this sequence, tee up like the, the, it's the so sequence. much exposition that's so clearly like I'm setting up the conflict of this movie. I'm setting up these two characters and their, their history, right. their opposite viewpoints on what happened. Because he he has that moment where he's like, I don't agree with you, but we can't talk about it right now, right? right. And it's like it's not like I can fully solve the equation here, but it's like I got it down to three options. Yeah, like this movie's giving me such a clear tee up, and it's not like the syndrome thing is a big twist in the first Incredibles. But it's also no. like the way Buddy's introduced feels pretty organic. It contributes sure. interesting tension to that opening set piece. Then he's gone for a while, you know? No, I there are know. other I'm, things I'm going on. Fan. You're caught up in Bob's yeah, yeah. like yeah, sort of. No, I know. I know. And then reintroduced now. And this just feels like, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I just feel, it doesn't feel sweaty to me. No. But I'm seeing some perspiration. Well, and then being like, can we just get this all out well, there? Well, that's that's more what I think is Bird's like, okay, we're going to have the one scene that just gets it done. Right. Which, and we're just going to have to bite that scene. That's I fine. always get bummed out when that happens. Yeah. And I can handle it as long as it's one scene. Especially someone like Brad Bird, who's usually so good at finding ways to very efficiently work that stuff into actual action. Well, in the first. Or comedy or drama rather the, than having someone explain shit. In the first Incredibles, he does so much of that with the documentary talking yeah, head stuff. Right. Which is sweaty in its own right, but you can also get away with. You know what I yeah. mean? And this time he doesn't do that. He does this. Fine. Okay. And right. also when, like, Syndrome is finally, like, explaining everything to him, monologuing to him, he also, A, calls out the fact that he's monologuing, and B, is fighting him while it's going on. Um, yes. Like, he's physically beating this guy up while he's explaining but why right, he you know, wants Syndrome to has, But, yeah, Syndrome does have that moment where he's like, you got me monologuing. So it's doing the kind of, like, right. meta joke about him info dumping, you know, but they, yeah, you know. Look, yeah. There's always going to be cute ways around this. Right, but Superhero I Superhero movie, people explain their plans. I'm like, this feels a little less elegant than what Brad Bird usually does. Well, you're a little less elegant. Agreed. <laughs> All right. So Winston's like, I love superheroes. They were to save my dad. That's why I love superheroes. And Evelyn Dever, <clears throat> evil endeavor. Great name. Yeah, is like, huh, well, I never much liked them. Nope. Well, no, she well she comes in and she's first presents as this sort of like wacky inventor because she's got all her like papers and stuff, and, and she seems kind of hungover. She's played by Catherine Keener, who has the greatest voice. Just rules. Just the greatest voice. Yeah, I mean. Bird casts so well voice wise in, yeah. in the Incredibles movies, particularly. Like, I just, anytime Catherine Keener's in a movie, and then now we've crossed a new threshold with just her voice being in a movie. Her voice. I'm just like, this is the coolest lady alive, right? Coolest this is the lady. number one but coolest you know who lady alive. Who else is in this movie? Holly Hunter, the other yeah. coolest lady alive. It's crazy. With such distinctive voices and such opposite voices. And then Sarah Vowell. I know. Who's the cool? Yeah. And then Sophia Bush, our third favorite. <laughs> sure. Fourth. <laughs> Um, I'm so sleep deprived. I mean, I like Void. Void's cool. Void's cool. Void's I wish cool. Void feels like a character that was a little more weaved into the story at large in a previous draft. And I now it's just more Void. But we'll get to that. I, I'm not saying I need more of it, but it just feels like there was a version where she was more integral to the plot rather than just being someone who gets brainwashed later. Sure. Yeah. Maybe Incredibles 3, maybe. I don't know. Right. 
Uh, oh, because this is the other thing I want to say. In terms of uh, uh, not just Brad Bird saying, like, look, I like the pressure of losing a year, yeah. knowing I had less yeah. time to crack everything. Yeah. He said, I finally cracked Incredibles 2. I had two really strong ideas for what I want to do with the film. We started working, and about a year in, I realized it didn't work. Interesting. Sure. So after waiting, like, 14 years, going, like, I'm not going to do it until I have it, mm-hmm. he felt like he had it. He started working on it, went, like, actually— breaking this out as a story, it doesn't function, yeah. and started rewriting the whole thing then and there when the movie was already up on rails, had been announced, licensing deals were in place, what have you. Uh-huh. And so I see a little bit of that in the movie. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I, I would imagine he just simplified. Like, that has he to makes be it he sound did. like he did a big change. Sure, okay. Well, what was it? I also know- Give me the deets, bird. He said, um, like, I think up until like a year and a half ago, Screen Slaver was not a part of the movie at all. The movie was about artificial intelligence. <laughs> that sounds wild. Yeah. Which <laughs> that I don't sounds know. like an Incredibles 3 idea, Brad. Yeah. yeah let's let's wait which on the AI questions. I don't know if that means the Devers weren't in it at all, but it, yeah, it sounds like know. certainly there was no physical manifestation of a villain like that. Yeah. The film was more about technology run amok. In in a very That's literal a different way. movie, right? Right. So, right, right. which makes me think he literally threw almost everything out. Well, it but sounds that... like the only thing that kept uh, that stayed in place was the the Bob Helen shift. He said he had two big concepts. It was the Bob Helen shift, Elastigirl taking the lead, Bob having to deal with the family, yeah, yeah and yeah. then his big concept for what the superhero plot line was. Right. And it sounds like he threw all of that out about a year into development, well, what then became a three-year process rather than a four-year process. I don't know what happened, but if I were talking to him, I would say, I feel like what he settled on was the right thing to settle on, which is like, you're making a movie about superhero legalization, so make the movie about the argument for the role of superheroes in society. Uh If you want to make an AI run amok movie, Brad, I'm ready. I want want your AI run amok movie, whatever the fuck wackiness that's going to be. But also, maybe it wasn't a movie about superhero legalization at that point. I mean, this is fine. I'm just saying he figured it out. Like, you know, the story, like, he may have literally just made it smaller because the other thing where I know why he wants to uh, not jump in time. He wants the baby. Right. Like, you know, and so. And and like. To do great baby stuff. So he did the short Jack Jack attack, which was on the original DVD Mm -hmm. release. Of the film, I think it got nominated for an Oscar, maybe. Maybe. Um, which is just the the stuff we didn't see with Jack Jack and the Babysitter, which is really fun. And I think that stuck in his brain of, oh, the family still doesn't know that Jack Jack has powers. Yeah, Syndrome right. knows. The Babysitter he knows. He intentionally makes it. Because in the final thing, when right. he shows off to Syndrome, he's yeah. too far up. Right. right. And I think that was the one comedic device he was like 100% passionate about towards making a sequel. Was, it did not get an Academy Award for Bummer. Mike's new car did. Maybe we think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Which Mike's new car fucks. Sure. Great car. Yeah. Um that that feels like that was always in place. Mm-hmm. And then he reverse engineered from there. Oh, it'd be fun if Bob was the one who had to take care of him. Yeah, which again just seems logical. Right. Do the and flip. so that means it has to take place in the same time period. You don't want right. Jack Jack any older. You don't want them having discovered the powers yet. All of that. You can see a version of this movie. A lot of people would have just gone. Well, it gets legalized. There's no movie about them fighting legalization. Yes, totally. You could they just do win, the second they movie. They win, they totally, right. court of public opinion. And maybe. Convinces the politicians. That's, and, and that's part of my argument. And I don't know about development. I'm just talking about the movie I see. Yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. That, we, and that feeds to me right. into the argument I'm making about, like, this is a movie that's about superheroes. And we're there's so many superheroes in our culture. Like, it's about superheroes in our culture. Right. Because right? that's what Winston is like. Superheroes belong in our culture. They're good for people. They're a force for good. Yeah. And Evelyn eventually, 
you know, when she's uh-huh. revealed, because at first she's more just like, I'm the tech lady. Yeah. Uh, is like superheroes are a convenience and they don't like, you know, they don't let people help themselves. Right. right. Like, you know, that's, that's, and like the, my dad's dying. Cause he's like, well, blah, will save me instead of like yeah. dealing with anything himself. Right. So her argument is my father invested too much in this idea of superheroes. And it's just, it's like a gossamer. It's a fantasy. Thin, right. Exactly. It's a gossamer. Right. right. It's like, she says convenient. There's that big, the big moment in the movie is the that sexy, the Anthony Lane's boner moment. Mm-hmm. Their big convo about that cynicism versus idealism, yeah. which we'll get, or we'll get to. Right. But, um, but first I, they make this pitch where it's I, like Elastigirl I, is right. going to be the hero. Right. I, at this moment in the film go, okay, so they're both in on it. They're both going to be the bad guys. Yeah. Right. There's some weird, this is a, a ball and shell game that they're doing. In the same way, a thing I love about Syndrome in the first movie is he's like, I want to kill all the superheroes so that I can look like a superhero because yes. I'll be the only one who can solve my own problem. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He want, right, that's his, his concept is it'll all be staged because then I look great. He wants to win over the public. Right. And so he has to But he's shitty at it. I mean, he, right, he's it, bad at it. He's not good way. at it like for even a second because right. remember his wristband gets knocked off and it all goes wrong. So then this movie's getting so literal about the sort of like branding PR relations yes, of yes, the whole yes, thing. Yes, the I'm superheroes like, are being sold to us. They right. are brands. And here they are. They're a big company. They're kind of creepy like they're Elon Musk This weird, type, right, right, industrial. Like they're like, what are they get? Like a telecommunications company. Right, but it's like, no, but they want to help the public. Right, and you're like, okay, but it seems like a lot of decisions are just being made by two people. And Odenkirk, who has always had a dark side, yes. is playing so positive, so cheery, so boisterous in this that I'm like, they have to be setting up a heel turn. Evelyn seems more jaded. I was like, maybe she's the misdirect. Uh-huh. My inclination is both of them are in on it. And somehow bringing superheroes to the forefront is going to help their bottom line, some cause that they have. No, I, right. I get that. It, it, that. The second viewing is good for that because okay. Winston's character makes much more sense. Or, well, I just, Winston's character felt deeper to me on the second viewing because... Because he felt a little thin for me on the first viewing and he, I love Odin He's Kirk. so, like... It's like Bird is not making like he, he he Bird is criticizing his sweetness almost where he's it's like, like I like what I like this stuff makes me feel good yeah like because he has that monologue where he's like you know smell the flowers like you know where he he's like he's a genuinely optimistic guy and that is kind of his undoing like he can't sure. see the bad side of anything and Evelyn talks about how he's like the great salesman this question of like who yes. has more value the salesman or the, the inventor yeah that's the right. part of their sort of optimist cynic conversation right. right which made me feel like okay he seems like he's devious in some way obviously salesman we always think of as being slippery at the very right, but least that's the, kind right, of overly that's the, slick the Brad Bird flip, but, do, right. but do you think the notion is that like he's such a good salesman just because he is kind of that infectious exactly, right he believes in he's, it he's Billy Mitchell or whatever he's just this exactly. guy who sells the passion for the thing there is no dark side to him no there's a blind spot to him blind spot and that, okay. that's what Screenslaver slash Evelyn is thinking you know where she says like people believe what they're sold and that's a weakness and like superheroes are the ultimate version of that where it's just like, here's a person who solves all your problems. And it's like over it's and over again in the movie. Like right. there's this, I, I wrote some things down. Like there's like this ad for like so easy, even the man can do it. Like as he's like uh-huh. pulling something out of an oven, like right in the middle of a crucial scene, like bird keeps dropping all this shit in where he's like bordering on Robocop. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, I'm trying to, there was another thing. You know, they're both selling supers, right? Uh-huh. But they both have these sort of blinkered points of view. Right, and her so, blinkered point of view point of view is like 
making them these like robotic monsters at the end of the he's movie. Bo- he's trying to get into something about people not wanting to do the work anymore. Just right, trying which, to buy into you know, which, right, which feels like Brad Bird. Like, do you know what's the thing I've been you know, thinking? He's such about- an individualist. Even yeah. if he claims like bollocks, nonsense. Right. I've just made six movies about the power of the individual, but you know, no, of course not. Like uh, a thing I've been thinking about a lot recently, yeah. uh, which I think ties into both of these movies. Uh, Cause there's been so much conversation about like toxic fandom. Recently, yes. Yes. Right? right. And the first movie has is, that. Right. Cause even like in the time That's between. That's what Syndrome is. He's a toxic fan. I'm your biggest fan. Which is like, more yeah. clear now than when we recorded that episode in February. It's true. You know, I feel like that's a, a shift of like a couple months totally. where it's just like. Cause it, it's how possessive he is right. of his fandom. And like, he obviously wasn't commenting on a thing that was as culturally obvious at the time, but he was commenting sure, was, on an ideology that's tied into this sort of thing. And, you which know, is, we, we always act like everything's the worst right now, but you know, shit was bad right. then too. There were dicks back then too. But, but what's the root of that thing mm. is I think, uh, uh, Joe Rowe did a Twitter thread about this. Joanna recently, Robinson has been doing some the show. great work about fandom yep. because she is a big fan herself. And she's someone whose career is based on her yes. fandom of certain things. That is true. And but also she, was, she has to deal with fan communities. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she was talking about, I believe it was her, and I'm not misattributing sure. this. Uh, it was either her or Anthony Lane. Yeah, sure. yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Um, she was saying boyoing. Did she, yeah, did she talk about like the popcorn going everywhere? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Projectile popcorn. Um, she was saying that the thing that gets kind of dangerous is this idea of fandom being part of your identity. Yes, yes. And I right, see right, the way right, that people right. talk about fandom now. Oh, I'm new to this fandom, right? When people are like, I just started watching The Flash. It's not that anymore. It's I'm new to the Flash fandom. Right. And it's like, I have joined this church. What are and the then things it's we like, believe right. in? What are our What behaviors? are my options? Who's right. my ship here? Like, right. who's my favorite character? Who's my least favorite character? Right. And it right. becomes part of your identity in a way that I think gets very dangerous. All three of us love shit, right? We are people who are fanatical about our things. We have yep. our big, like, things that we fucking love and spend a lot of time right. looking into and thinking about and working on, working around, and all of that. Um, but even at my most obsessive moments, I've never felt that sort of like this thing I love dictates what kind of person I need totally. to be. That is, it's the an opposite. Easy it's to like make, yeah. these things I love reflect on things in my personality, which I'm seeing in these other things that I like. Not yeah. I need to reflect myself, reflect the fandom in. What, you're you right. Get what no, I'm saying. You're, yeah, I do get what you're saying. Um, and I feel like that's a thing this movie is kind of grappling with is this idea of like superheroes make it very easy to be like, oh, I'm a pro superhero person. Right. Let's have superheroes. I like the costumes. All that's great. The theme songs. And also they'll fix everything. I don't have to think about anything ever again. Right. Which like you see that. Which even, was her dad's undoing. But you even see that with political ideology now where it's not just like I like this candidate. It's like I am so deep in yes. on this person. That anything he does must be the right thing to do or she or whatever. Right, which I think is where like toxic Bernie bros come from. It's sure. like people got so into this idea that like, no, this is the only honest one. Right, right, yeah. That yeah. then when weird shit start happening, it's like, then I have to attack the other candidate's right. fans. Right, it becomes very negative. Right. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it becomes so personal. Some people like that about Bernie Sanders and some people are like that about The Flash, like right. you're saying. Right, Oof. And Evelyn Dever, it feels like at the beginning is just kind of like – dismissive of like this don't buy into this fucking thing we yes, don't yeah, need yeah, 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 this yeah. right she talks about convenience and like the myth of it you know and then that's what screenslaver is monologuing about in his big monologue 
you know, which I also, you don't, but then he's know, also, you watch game shows, like, you know, right, like all right. that stuff. You don't talk, you, you watch, watch talk, talk shows. shows. Yeah. Um, but I also, he's also talking about a sort of lack of engagement, which I guess is not doing the work. It's wanting to live a, a more removed life, like yeah. the blinders on, Blinkers, right? Yeah. Um, but what I don't understand, and let's jump ahead towards the, you know, sure, well, not 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 no no, no. I mean, cover this stuff in between. Hard. No, but we won't. It's but here, th- look. this is my question to you, and okay, I don't sure. say this Go in a like, it. this is why the movie is bad. I'm like, oh I god. haven't Batman's cracked this here. yet. Oh my god! Yeah. Swear to me. Oh hey, bats. Fuck. <laughs> um, Did your own bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this <laughs> is a thing I couldn't crack watching. Uh, uh, and I I say this in the least oh cinema God. sins. Oh sure, okay. Explain to me why this isn't a, a like what, what you're, hole. there's there's a problem with her plan that you can't think around. I right? don't understand why this is the course of action she takes. But okay, is letting her brother get the superhero things off the ground, creating a straw man, right. hypnotizing people, right? In order to well to like. She wants the superheroes on the biggest stage possible, right? Which is this big bill sign. She wants to humiliate them the most public way. Not, not, it, it's not really humiliation. She's making them frightening. Like it's a narrative in and, in and of itself, right? Like, because it, like they give these monologues where they're like, you know, for too long you have been mistreated us, and right? Like it's a whole thing where the like level she of is manipulation though feels it's like it's. it's, it's, it's so much. There's the so but many her, steps. But that's her villain power, right? I mean, that's what she is. She's uh, like an ad exec. But, <laughs> but but here's my question to you, okay? Yes. They're already illegal. Right. At the moment the movie's starting, it's like, fuck, I guess we can't do this anymore. And all the superheroes right, are but, under threat of retirement. The only thing that gives them the courage to think they can do it again is... Winston. No, it's not Winston. People are already into it. They, they, they just rescued from like all the shit, the syndrome and the undermine. And then immediately like, we're like back. shut down. Well, they're shut down by the government. Right. But like, all right. So again, I'm I saying, want one thing I want to put like, so Bud Lucky has that crucial line to me about politicians don't understand people who do good things. It's not Bud Lucky, it's Jonathan Banks. Yeah, it's right. Bud Lucky's, Bud Lucky's the, right, the dead guy. Um, he's dead. Yeah. R.I.P. Rick Decker. Rip. Uh, uh, more like Rip Decker. Okay, come on. Ben's holding up a yellow. Shut the card. Holding up a yellow. Cut the fucking card out. Uh, And then, not long after, you have this part where um, they're in the car Mm -hmm. going to Winston's fancy house, Mm -hmm. and you hear over the radio people saying, "Like, you know, Americans trust like Congress less than they trust a monkey with a you know dart or whatever, right? Right. Like a monkey throwing darts." But the end of the movie, they they save the day. Yeah. Right. Mm Hmm. They arrest uh, Evelyn. Yeah. What happens? What happens? What's the reaction to Evelyn being arrested from the film's best character? I, it's Violet funny. says she's just she's rich. She's just going to buy her way out of prison immediately. Oh, that is like yeah. this is a movie about like total distrust in like the institutions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he's peppering it in right from the start. Pepper, pepper, pepper. It's good shit. But here's my thing. Yeah. I and I'm, and again I'm. I'm Politically, I'm like, I don't know, Brad. Like, chill out. But I'm just saying, like, as, it as also just his, feels, uh, his vision. A lot of ideas. A lot of ideas. Like, there are points in this movie. First time I saw it, I was like, a lot of ideas. Second time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is unified. It makes much more sense to me. This doesn't kill the movie for me. Oh, but there are points in the movie where I just felt a little bit of the Birdman thing, where it's like, 
oh, so characters are just going to speak in op-ed headlines? Sure. And you're just going to pepper in a lot of large notions that you're yeah, not necessarily that's fair. digging into? I, that's a fair criticism. I mean, he, they and definitely... Birdman, for me, that's what drives me insane about that movie, where well, it's just one series But Birdman's of, just monologues, too. It's just like, yeah. ugh, And none of the characters are characters. None of the characters are characters. Right. It's just like, so this is Uproxx fighting with... <laughs> the, Birdman is so bad. God. Name a character from Birdman, apart from Birdman. Yeah. Who's great, obviously. He's a uh, mean critic. Mean critic. Um, stoned teenager. That's so clearly the most embarrassing Best Picture winner of the last 15 years that when people say otherwise, it drives me insane. Yeah. I, I think Birdman's yeah, more I mean, embarrassing than Crash. Cr- Crash is pretty bad. I think... Crash is like a stain on the nation. I agree. Birdman's just like a bad movie. <laughs> right? I find Birdman so much more arrogant than Crash, though. Crash is just like, this is so fucking naive. What, what was the one? was the old movie... Oh, the artist. Yeah, yeah that one's not great either. <laughs> There's a yeah, lot but of black that's just marks. like that's just like a fucking gentleman's five. You're just yeah, like, yeah, mad? yeah, okay, yeah. The artist, okay. you're like, yeah. I mean, I didn't. Right, I wasn't mad. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the artist, you're like, okay, that's fuck. what I'm saying. Birdman, good dog, least, I guess. I, I agree. I know. I, I, I'm on board with you, basically. But like, at least when I watch Birdman, not that I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, you know, it's well made. I like the score. The crash isn't even well made. Like, yeah. crash is just bad. It's like a TV movie. Yeah. It's just crazy. It is crazy that crash like almost went straight to the. And then end up winning yeah. Best Picture, and like both fates are plausible. Yes. You know? right. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say was, uh, I do not sit there in the theater looking for plot holes or logic flaws. Sure, no, no. I'm saying I right. hate that kind of movie watching. No, I know you do. I know. I I, I buy your argument. When but she's doing this, you're just like, why, why is this her play? Here's what I like out of movies, and I think Pixar especially has a very good track record of this. very good at lining everything up very smoothly. I like when they answer my questions before I've even asked them. Sure. That's always a satisfying feeling. Right. When in it's just movie, like, right? oh, so now you've explained why that's not a oh, plot I possibility. Get it, I get it, I get why this is the one way this movie has to go. You're right. She Where has everything su- feels very inevitable and She clean. has such an exaggerated power, which is that she can hypnotize people. Right. And there's so many directions which, and, to and point And also, that in. outside of that, you go, she's incredibly smart and she can apparently create any technology. So this sure, movie is it's focusing all, it's on- It's all broadcast technology. That's her thing. She makes the little cameras. She sure. hacks into- It's always broadcast. That's her thing. I'm saying her power is greater, as you said, in terms of her, her strategy, her, you know, her technological ability. We're focusing in on this one thing she can do, which is insanely powerful. But also, she has even more power outside of that. And what I ask you is- Here's a question. What I asks you is. What I asks you is. Here's a question I wish the movie didn't make me have to ask. Yeah. Why doesn't she team up with the government? I don't know. Maybe she because she like has a common like. That's an ally but, with a common enemy. So why instead does she okay. let her brother go down this road right. and then just try to fight against her brother? I mean, or or is it just chaos for chaos sake? Then okay, that's no, a trope. I see her. I think they she set her up that way. She talks about how good her brother is sell- at selling things, right? And I think she wants to harness that. She wants to get them on this big stage where she can sort of turn people against heroes forever. I don't know. I mean, that's that's my counter. But I get your point. I think but it's she just kind of like shrugs off her brother as like you know he's whatever. If it was good like, salesman, right? But I'm saying if it was like I want to let him try to do this so I can not only embarrass superheroes but him, right? That would be one thing for me. I'm not saying that's the answer I want. No, she's not. But I'm mad saying at like something right. like that. I would go like, well, that's why she has to do it this way. No, her that's why she a has patsy, to let her right. brother get the superheroes off the ground so that she can bring in a supervillain to beat him at his own game. Instead, I'm like, you have to hire 
like hypnotize pizza boys to then present a public face so that no that stuff makes sense to me because that's her and bird being like this is all like this is all just like narrative it's not there's not ideology. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, but yeah, hero villain fights. That's, you know, I mean, that's what she said. That's what screen yeah. slaver. He's so screen slaver who, by the way, looks super cool. Yeah. looks cool. I wish he was visually on screen a little more. People said that, but I was like, I mean, to me, I'm just like, he looks like a cool skull man. He's Do you know what I honestly cool. would have liked? What? I would have liked, and this gets into the Fantastic Four thing, a great device in the Fantastic Four is the Doombot thing, which is in there from, I think, his first appearance, Mm -hmm. where it's like Dr. Doom, who's a dude wearing this metal suit, has a lot of robots that look just like him. Yes. So a lot of times you'll be on an entire Fantastic Four adventure, and they're like, we finally got him. And they're like, God damn, it's another robot. (laughs) Yeah, that's his thing. He was in his office the whole time. Right, and he's like, diplomatic community, bye-bye. Right. And I kind of, once they set up the pizza boy thing, mm. which when she beats him and it's that early in the movie, I was like, there's no way this is actually screen slaver. Right. I was like, I would like it if she keeps on having to track down different screen slavers. If you get to a sequence where you have 50 screen slavers, you know? Wow, you want a burly brawl. Yeah, I want a burly man brawl. But I also just thought that was like a fun opportunity there that's not um, totally exploited. What was the other thing I was going to say about know. Screen Slaver? Cool. Uh, he he's does look fucking cool. fucking cool. Oh yeah, but this movie so, is an epileptic seizure waiting to happen. so great. I love that. I, when he was, when they had that big fight in the flashing lights room, I was like, I can't believe they let him do this. This is so crazy. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. It's pretty transcendent. It yes. also is going to make people Yeah, I was, I was just surprised that they yeah. didn't have a warning. I mean, Insane. I know they do. Now they're they now, do. They're now yeah. doing it, but, but it's I was just surprised that Disney, especially so overly cautious with anything. Yeah. Um, um, I know, but to me, screen slaver, he's so, he's so comically evil looking. I love it. Like, you know, it's all part of the gag. So here's the thing that I kept on thinking about. I know real, I'm doing a lot of here's the thing. The real, you know, f- fear is, you know, manipulation, right? Like how yeah. your, your, your narratives get shaped for you without you even realizing it. I mean, that's smart. One profundity yeah, point, you know, but I do think, you know, Seraph's a login screen. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Don't put me through that again. Um, I kept on thinking this feels a lot like a less um, concise, effective uh, Trevor Slattery thing for me. Oh, wait. Who's Trevor Slattery again? Fake Mandarin. Oh, I love that, though. That's my That's why I'm bringing it up, because you and I both recognize that Iron Man 3 is the best of the Marvel movies. Don't at me. It's a masterpiece. The fact that people hate it makes me insane. Crazy. But also, I feel like when people hate it, that's always the thing they bring up. They're like, I hate that the movie makes me invest in a fake villain for half the film. That's stupid. Only to reveal Iron Man 3 spoilers, that he's actually just a media manipulation. And I love that, like, when the movie's starting out, like... I mean, that is a movie about the military-industrial complex. It's a movie where... Don Cheadle is rebranded into this red, white, and blue superhero, yeah. which is basically just like a shell game to kill the president. And like that's and the Mandarin is like a media creation. Right, by but not the only deep that, state, he's like, the most comical version of like a that times villain, which is like this sort of vaguely Middle Eastern hero, a villain with like who's like America is very bad, you know, right, like, like you know they they took, weird amalgamation of villains. That's the thing. They yeah. took the Mandarin, who's like a, a horrible Fu Manchu, right? Like, in, in the comics, he's just like a, a literally just like a, a red Chinese villain, right? right? Like he's just like the other, and like, instead they in the movie turn him into like a Joel Silver version of Osama Bin Laden. Right, exactly. Right? Which I'm watching and I'm like, okay, first of all, 
Ben Kingsley swimming in the River of Ham. Oh, boy. This fucking rules. I love the design of the character. I like the fact that they're keeping him in these videos. Yes. They're winding him up so much. What's it going to be like when they come face to face? And then the reveal of like, oh, that's all he is. He's literally a series of viral videos. He's a piece of branding to sell this notion. But then I think- There's literally a complicated shit joke in the movie where he's like, do not go in there. You know, it's great. Which is the moment they should have gave Ben Kingsley the Oscar. They should have stopped stopped the the projector at the first screening and just handed him- an honorary award correct uh but i think the killing thing really tracks in that movie yeah and i'm not saying killing is like cinematically the best villain ever but you also totally get where he's coming from i think it's a great rebuke of everything that sucks about tony stark the fact that they've made you buy into this franchise about a guy who's essentially an asshole right and it's like yeah he fucked over everyone for like 20 years until he finally gained a conscience but guess what he also was like a war profiteer for decades before that Um, and and also on a a great movie on a micro level look at him just like fucking dunking on this nerd and thinking like i'm so cool i'm funny i'm robert Downey jr i can get away with it and this guy held a grudge for 20 years. Agreed. Which is why I'm in through rules and we'll do an episode on it one day. Want to mention yeah. Space Force. Trump is militarizing space. Yeah. We need an Aloha sequel right now that yeah. deals with this. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. This is a moment where like Reed Hastings could step up and upload all of Netflix into yes. the Space Force satellite. Just upload fucking that Sigur Rós song or whatever yeah. the fuck it is dun, into dun, the satellite. Dun. It blows up. Yeah. And then you fall in love with the white Asian lady and it's yeah. great. Aloha to Tuloha. Right. Ben, are you getting a card out of your eye? Mm. What are you doing? You're going to go Pulled crazy. out a Yu-Gi-Oh card? <laughs> it's a Beyblade? <laughs> He's not even in a card form anymore? <laughs> remember Beyblades? Yeah, I do. Oh, do I remember Beyblades? That's the most insulting thing you've ever Sorry. done towards me. Sorry. No, I'm starting to get a migraine. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. We only you, have four you, more episodes. You want to take this. a break? No, just keep going. <laughs> I mean, you can walk out of the studios. Right? No, I'm okay. All right. I find the decoy villain thing oftentimes frustrating in I films. I agree with that. But, but Iron Man 3 is one of the examples where it doesn't deflate for me because, A, I think what they're saying about propping Griff, up this fake villain is smart. I got, we got to get off Iron Man 3. We both agree on it. I'm Watch me build this bridge right now. Oh and He's killing a bridge on... remains satisfying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do find a, a gulf between screen slaver as a fake media yeah. idea and Evelyn right. that I can't totally bridge. I think it's a fair criticism. I also think... Then. I got out I quickly. also think... He keeps doing these movies where the villains are people, mm-hmm. inventors, mm-hmm. tech people, yeah, with no powers. Yes, and he does keep making these movies about these sort of individual rights of inherently gifted people, right? Where the villains are not. I mean, they're gifted with intellect. Or Which whatever. you were getting into this argument on Twitter. Isn't it a little weird that in both of these movies the villains have been? That's what I'm saying. That's people. what I'm saying. Right. I got, Will Gosbrook that brought that yeah. up, and I was like, Goss. "It's fair, Goss." And I responded with, "Like, I do think it genuinely terrifies." It's the, the 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 core thing with Evelyn and Syndrome is that they're amoral. They're not yeah. using their technology for anything but what they want, mm-hmm. and you know they don't care about killing people. Um, and that's the big showdown with Helen and Evelyn at the end. That's what they're fighting about. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it would do him well to have like a like a supervillain, you know, like yeah. a classic supervillain. I think so too. I, I mean, don't maybe, maybe he just thinks too hard about this stuff and he always like, it's like, well, but what if I add like this extra layer to it? You know, I would love to see him make an Incredibles three where they're not fighting a civilian creating that, a straw right. man identity. Right. I would like to see someone of equal power to the Incredibles with a combating ideology. Yeah. The scariness of what if someone has the same level of, 
ability yes. is gifted and doesn't care. Yeah. You know, or cares about the wrong thing, um, which is a basic superhero trope, but it's also like, look, he's deconstructed stuff enough. Our culture's deconstructed stuff enough that there's no reason not to just let Brad Bird do a better version of that. And in a certain way, I that agree. feels more classical to just do that. Now, maybe we're going to have to wait 14 more years for him to make Incredibles 3. I have no idea. But. So let's talk about a couple set pieces in between. Okay, so yeah, I was going to say. Because right. we don't have to go through all the plot. No, because it, well, here's what they do. They, Everyone just saw the movie. There's two yeah. parallel lines. So right. there's the Helen stuff and there's the Bob stuff. So right. the Helen stuff, the first set piece is the motorcycle set piece with the monorail that's going the wrong way. Sure. It's just rules. Right. Uh, and and the elastic cycle splits it's in half. Fucking great. Yeah, that's fucking cool. The thing, cool my, my favorite stuff. moment is when she's driving on both sides of the tunnel yeah, over the train. Cool. Like, it's movies so are cool. cool. I love no, but them. these movies are. And also, it's like Elastigirl is endlessly fun yeah. in animation. You can do so much shit with her, yeah. with her body. You're you're, you're sort of sort of taciturn oh, about this. Please stop talking about her body that way. Um. I, I also just love comedically the uh, uh, showcasing the new house sequence. Sure. Which is like just kind of feels like animation porn for a little bit. Right. And then the comedic uh, game reveals itself, which is Dash now can't stop hitting buttons and the right. buttons are contrasting with each other. Like, yeah. well, of course, it's inconvenient to have like uh, water can just appear anywhere. And also like furniture can rise up from the <laughs> right. basement. Like. Uh, yes, very fun. When the couches are getting the crushed the in the water. Love it's very it. funny. Yeah. Um, the other Helen stuff is, right, is her meeting these new superheroes. Mm-hmm. Void is the only one that is even given like quarter of, a quarter of characterization. The rest of them are just kind of comedic types. Right, but I'm into that. Screech. Screech is cool. Yeah. Uh, Brick is kind of weird. I, Brick is, I, I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Brick's fascinating. Yeah. I have seen people online wondering if Brick is transphobic. Interesting. I, I'd be it interested feels, to know who voiced Brick. I don't even know me. who voiced Brick. I was looking I in the end the credits, credits and it was a, a lot of just kind of like journeyman voice artists. Yeah, yeah. But Phil Lamar, who vush, plays does two, two boys, he's he a plays, classic. Right. He does Helectrix, who is the uh, Electric, electricity guy. Playboy sort of dude. Which yeah. I just like because visually I like uh-huh. that. And then Crusher, who's funny. Right. The uncrush thing is right. funny. The void power, I think, is awesome. That bit yeah, where she's throwing so, the coffee cup oh, is so great. Good. She looks like Kristen Stewart. I wonder if they offered it to her. Maybe. She also kind of looked like Katy Perry. She well, had a real Katy Perry color. Yeah, I sure. think facially, she looks really Kristen Stewart. I think facially, you look like Kristen Stewart. Boing. Um, I wish Reflux, I like who Stewart. is a real Griffin character. Yeah, I was like so surprised by the fact that I wasn't like all in on Reflux. I had no problems, but I was like, Oh, man, I'm going to fucking love this guy. Barf's hot lava. Yeah. Uh, he's an old man. What'd they say? I can't tell if it's a disorder or a power yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, funny. You decide. A comedy point. Uh, and then she has this big uh, sequence of Screen Slaver mm-hmm. uh, where she captures him um, in his house. And he's Norm, a pizza delivery guy. And it's, yes. And there's that cool shot of her, like, unlocking the doors and you see him in the background and my whole audience went like, ah. Yeah. And uh, the the strobes fighting sequence is cool. Fun stuff. And then on the other side, you got Bob uh-huh. raising the kids. I mean, this is just kind of like home run stuff to me. The, I, the like, Bob it's so stuff much fun. totally works yes, for me. It's so good. It's, yeah. it's, it's deeply felt. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's like heart, stringy like it's good right but it's also really funny i i uh, yeah i mean the jack jack stuff is really funny like yeah the raccoon sequence just feels like something where bird is like 
we can have so the much fun sequence doing is this. Amazing. It's amazing. Like yeah. the shot of him blowing up with, with flame, like and igniting all the now, can we talk about chairs? The thing that made me laugh incredibly hard during this movie and no one else in my theater laughed at it. If they did, they just did like a huh. And I was like, had to take my glasses up. off sure. for like 30 seconds being like, am I the only one? Mm-hmm. Uh, the vital plot line is Decker has to right. bring Tony's off. forgotten about her because Decker erases me. Yeah. Right. Which Violet can't figure out at first. She just feels like he's being an asshole. Yeah. And I love the scene where Bob like comes in. He's so excited to like, he's, he started being a good dad. Yeah. He figured out the math thing. Right. Right. Uh, he sees Violet and he can't break through to Violet right. and can just tell she's hurt and he doesn't know what to do. Right. And then Violet at some point pieces together that through that, an offhand that, comment that Bob that's makes. That's why she figures it out. Right. You know how many people we've had mm-hmm. to, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just goes into total angst mode of just like, this thing that I didn't choose is now ruining my ability to be an old person, live my life and do the things I want. Sure. To. And I, I renounce superheroes. Right. The, the garbage, is that the bit that got you? That's funny. It's when Bob thinks, I know how to solve this. We'll bring yeah. well, this the family to the Well, this is my favorite sequence in the movie. Right, this is the key. It makes me laugh so much. Stand out of the movie Which is me. funny because it's less animation yes. heavy. Well, except for the one thing I'm going to say. Sure. It, it is It is so wrong-headed, and he is so confident yes. going into that this he is has like. The, the, the joke about like, oh, this is nice over by the philandra. I can't yeah. remember. The rhododendrons yeah. or some yeah. plants. Yeah, right. Whatever it is. Right. And uh, he just thinks he's in line for a Dad of the Year award, right? right? right. And then uh, Tony comes over to pour the water. Yeah. And when she notices him. I know. It's so funny. She shoots the water out of her nose. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, we'll get a freeze frame of it. So, like, her face is just hysterical. You, it, this will be laugh the only gif so I'll ever use. Funny. They, there was, like, a pop. Yeah. And I was laughing through to the next 15 lines of dialogue because this is also an animation thing I love where it's like, which I finally feel like CGI is getting to the point where it's exploiting. I feel like we lost this for a bit when we went to uh, 3D animation as opposed to hand-drawn animation. Um, The ability for a character based on circumstances or mood to completely change uh, the shape of their head. <laughs> so it's not just that like water shoots out to her nose. It's like her whole head like expands. And, 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 and then like, when she's all bleary eyed yeah. and she's like, well, mm, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what are you going to say? Ben? Her entire chemistry oh, okay. changes in reaction to this thing. Um, uh, I was losing it. Yep. And I just, I, yeah, I mean, Violet is the best. She rules. I, I renounce superheroes is really funny. Yeah. Um, the, the costume yeah. not being destroyed by the yeah. garbage disposal. I renounce my renouncement is really funny. Uh-huh. She rules. I agree. All her cool force field shit is great. Yeah. Um, I love Bob with the baby. Yeah. Uh, I just love that whole arc. Right. Uh, I know some friends with uh, young kids who said it was chillingly realistic. Yeah. Jack Jack is hilarious. Uh-huh. He's a star. I'm with all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I assumed yeah. you were. I mean, this stuff is, like I said, it's just sort of home run. Like, it may be easier for the movie to nail it but nail it i've been sort of distracted a mm. little bit my apologies uh, but did you talk about um the sequence with baby getting like dropped off oh, oh we edna. haven't talked about edna right yet. well so the and that's the edna scene right yes yeah. i mean come on that is like one of the best moments in the movie i think really you love the edna well you're you're really into fashion now i am into fashion yeah did you not like the i mean the edna scene feels more Fan servicey because it's like just all the stuff we love from Edna. I was gonna say there was a I little bit of that. Visits, you know, I I like all the Jack Jack stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. Jack Jack mirroring Edna when he's Jack Jack down mirroring the Edna is the the part that rules when he yeah. when he grows the little wig. 
No, but not even that. When the, the when nose. she's walking down the the hallway, he's, oh, he's walking. He's got the lollipop. Yeah, that, that's fu- that fucking rules. Um, All his powers are good. I was so happy that there were powers I didn't know about. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the teleporting the and the multiplication yeah. and all that. I love that shit. Even the other dimension. That's so funny. And like sort of how they explain it really cleanly yes. with the, the monitor. Yeah. And like I love the metaphors yeah, love of all, all that. Like that's where the parenting metaphor is translating the most in this movie. Sure. You know, like that. Like, you have to learn how your kid works. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like the, they, they do things that like are, seem irrational. Right? Yeah. It does feel a little bit to me, though, like you already have. Okay, so her superhero suit. Because I'm watching, I'm like, how are they going to work Edna into this again? Sure. Obviously, they can't make a sequel without her. Well, I do, right. The, the gag that Elastigirl has this dark and gritty suit. Right. Uh, so they Edna's didn't go to like, Edna. Yeah. Garbaggio. Right. Yeah. They say that line, I was like, so is she going to come back angry at right. the suit thing? Is she going to show up at their doorstep like irate? Like, what's the thing? Because Edna, in addition to being just like, a funny device. It's like the um, damage control from Marvel. It's like, oh, who does make the suits? Right. Yes. Like good fucking Brad Bird bit. Mm-hmm. Well characterized. 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 What the fuck am I talking about? But then also the fact that she's the one who like gives the motivational speech to yes. Helen. Right. It's such a good like you Brad Bird. Gods. Use every part of the buffalo. Like okay. don't establish what, something. And you're saying in this one she's good. It feels a little bit like Crush the Turtle being in Finding Dory. Well, it's not that just, bad. Like, it's not as bad. I think the sequence is fun, but I'm also like, it's a little sweaty that You're his solution Edna. is Edna figures out parenting. You know, sometimes your friends got to help you out. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Got to learn to be a dad. His big breakthrough being a dad, though, is the, when he talks to Violet. That's that's yes. the, the nice nicest moment, you know, where he's like, I'm I just agree. trying to be she a good dad. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you are. You're Violet, super. Violet's such a good kid. Five heartwarming points. It was weird. I was very keenly aware, like, when the first one came out, I was, like, the same age as Violet. Yeah. And watching this one now, I'm like, oh, she's a child. And it's not like I haven't watched the original Incredibles since I I was a kid, but I also watch it and think about, like, well, I saw this when I was 14. I remember how I related to this character. And I'm like. Well, she is more together, though. You know, she's no yeah. longer the hair in the face. No, she's got the emo headband kid. Now. Right. She's got yeah. the headband. She, as uh, Toy Ranger says, she's she's different now. She seemed confident. What's it? Holding up Hold a card. card. Yeah, no, we're almost done. Too long. Fair. Boom. Fair criticism. Yeah. Um, that's both of us, I guess. You both both of us get yellow cards. Yellow okay, card. fine. All right. Um, uh, and so uh, there's this sequence where Frozone rescues them. Well, because Bob figures out... Why does Bob go after Helen again? Bob gets the um, screenslaver sets Bob up to be hypnotized by Helen. Right. And but he goes off and he no, says, Frozen, saying- watch the kids. Like, you know, he's basically told Helen's in trouble. Oh, right. So he goes right. off to rescue Helen. And obviously, right. you know, that's not actually what happened. Um, is Frozen, watch the kids. Yeah. Where's my super suit ASAP? Uh, Frozen comes in, gets to do some cool Frozen stuff, which I was happy about. Do you know who plays Honey? I, I don't. Frozen's wife? Who? The uh, head of uh, HR at Kimberly Adair Clark. Hey, man, she's funny. They just got someone from the HR department who now gets residuals. Good for her. On the Incredibles and the video games. Probably is like a SAG card. Yeah, it must fucking rule. Yeah, good for her. Um, but don't you, I just, because in the first movie, Frozone, super cool. Yeah. Does have this moment where he like makes a wall of snow and the machine just goes through it and you're kind of like, mm, is Frozone okay. shitty? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. And this, he like, I like his like ice blasts and yeah, stuff. He's like he's set. fun fighting all those guys. Yeah. Then he gets hypnotized. They escape in the car. I, and car you know what else I like? Fun. Showing you he's a good superhero. He knows that he's not going to be able to beat this. Right. So, so his priority is yes. yeah. 
giving Jack-Jack and Violet all the information they need to know of how to be able to escape from Right, him. and like putting them into the car. Recognize the voice. Giving them the voice ID. Um, I mean, they set up the car thing earlier in the movie mm-hmm. with the, the collector. I, I like it driving out while the guy has the date. And him hiding behind the date. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Bradford doesn't like rich people. Right, so then, then you get into this thing where it's like Jack-Jack, uh, Dash, and Violet realize, or rather, Violet and Dash realize they need to save the day and they have Jack-Jack as their secret weapon. Right. And there's the whole boat sequence and this is, yeah, to me, this is just Brad Bird where he's like, bang, bang, bang. This is great. But this almost feels like an entire Incredibles thematic idea in and of itself, Mm. which is parents wrestling with letting their kids be independent and and make decisions. Do you want them to follow you in what you did? Yes, sure, sure, sure. But you that's know? the thing. Like but it just start, becomes a final act. At the start, he's like, we need thing. to let our kids choose, and this is what they want to do. Right. Um, and it's great. They rescue but their parents. Like, this then becomes like one of five or six thematic ideas, you know, that are integrated into plot rather than a like, everything is, you know. Yeah. The sort of like Aristotle's, poetics like cleanness of ratatouille and incredibles where it's like everything is on theme we know what our themes are even the things that feel tangential actually line up yeah this is like we got a lot of stuff going which i'd rather too much than too little yeah but it's also like he set such a high standard for himself he did uh, I do. They, I, this all does sing for me i think it's so fun the final boat sequence i didn't find as exciting as the rest of them i didn't find it unexciting oh, oh, but i was just like the the end syndrome on the android sequence which is much smaller and scope smaller it's contained essentially within one city street because they probably could only afford to yeah, yeah. render no, that I one city it, street it. much like the first avengers it's like geographically it's very small yeah they're kind of fighting a i mean it's great thing, i love the syndrome thing but i just find the stakes of it very easy to follow yeah it's yeah. very exciting in how the story has built up to that point and the rules of how they fight, how they stop these things, what the weaknesses are. This just started feeling like a lot of stuff to me. And it's stuff that he's executing all really well. But it's like, I was just sort of going like, oh, so this is the point where everything. It's the sophomore curse. A little bit. Hard to beat, you know. I mean, come on. It's hard to beat a movie like The Incredibles. I'm sort of mapping it to music, uh-huh. right, with bands that have this yeah. like, successful debut. Now you can do anything. Now you can do anything, and then it's just too many ideas. Agreed. And, like, someone else wants to start writing a song now, you know, yeah. and, like, it just becomes a right. a mishmash of ideas, and it's not... Elemental. Yeah. Right. Uh, which none of these things mean the movie is bad. These are arguments for why the movie is not a masterpiece in my eyes. Mm, it's like, so oh, this good. is why it's only, like, oh, it's so you know, I think you'll an like- exemplary piece of animation <laughs> rather than being, like, a perfect piece of art. I kind of agree with David that maybe seeing it a few more times, maybe. it's so dense. Yeah. It's so good. It is so dense. Like, I know I miss stuff. 100%. Yeah. And it's also taken me 35 viewings to respect everything going on in the first Incredibles this much, you know? I'm holding it to an unrealistic standard because I'm like, but it doesn't immediately register for me in the way that The Incredibles has registered after 14 years of thought. Yeah. Um, I recognize that. Um, But this final boat sequence I thought was fine. Didn't do a tremendous amount for me. Uh, I would watch. Nice burp, five burp points. I would like to know what you think about it the second time. I mean, honestly, talking about it right now makes me want to go see it again tonight. So good. Um, I'll probably see it this weekend. uh, But I do think- I'll see it in 40X. I'll see- yeah, Jack see Jack's it in fucking 8DX. Yeah. Um, 
but I do think, yeah, there's, there are these crucial exchanges between Elastigirl and Evelyn that are sort of the core of mm-hmm. their philosophical, you know, like Bird is basically saying, in my opinion, mm-hmm. like the heroes are going to exist. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what makes Elastigirl, et cetera, a superhero is that she is an ethical person. She wants to do good. You know, she has a code that she And that's follows. the end all be all for her. It's not an ego stroke in the way right. it kind of is for Bob. Right. I mean, no, no, he's not saying Bob's bad, but, you know, he's basically no, just Bob, sort of saying, like, yes. this is what's it, crucial to their existence. I'm not saying it's solely an ego stroke for no, Bob, I know. but he gets some juice off of that in a way that Helen doesn't as much. I mean, I love that moment when he. She Helen calls, loves to be good at it. When she calls him that broadcast news moment, ugh, yeah. and she's like talking about how great she did uh, stopping yeah. the train and running him through it. Right. And then Bob says, what if Needy was sexy? You think you can do these things, Nemo, but you can't. He says both of those things, it's horribly incongruous. Yeah, yes. It's a disaster. And inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Anthony Lane might have been onto something. Boing. Um, um, no, but, yeah. but yes, that is great. And it also, like, the thing I liked about that moment was I was like, but wouldn't Bob already know about it? And it was like, no, because this, this is the 60s. You find out about things when you watch the nightly news yeah, or read he has the paper to turn in the, the morning. I'm like, it's been an hour since she stopped the monorail. Wouldn't he know? And it's like, oh, right, no, the world used to be better. Uh, also worse, whatever, who cares? Everything's bad, everything's good. I don't know. Um, but uh, at the end when Evelyn is locked up, Violet's saying, like, she's just going to get away with it. And um, and I like that Violet finds a, a contemporary in Void. Yes, definitely. I just thought they were going to do more with Void in terms of making Helen aware of that sort of impact she had, which they only do in the one scene. The idea that Helen wasn't just saving people in terms of actually saving people, but saving people in terms of giving people a sense of meaning in their life by seeing themselves in her. Yeah. Um, wait, I had, oh yeah. Oh, uh, as Evelyn's being locked up, um, mm-hmm. she says, just because you got me doesn't you know mean you're right. Or whatever. Right. And Helen's like, yeah, but it does mean you're alive. And for her, it does feel like Helen's like, look, I feel like satisfied by this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to be triumphant over you. Like, I know I did the right thing. Because there's that moment where Void's like, you know, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. When when Helen's falling Mm -hmm. and like, and then finally, and she doesn't. And so Void has to do it, like, yeah. help her out. Cool. But that's, you know, exactly. That's superhero yeah. shit, man. That's the magic. Yeah. Elastigirl is helping Void realize some shit. I'm doing like a... Yeah, I need to see another time. An arc with yeah. my hand right now. Um, it just, you know, it's also like I played all the, like, Incredibles video games they made. They made an underminer game that was a sequel. Mark Wade wrote a comic for a little bit. There were all these sort of supplemental, like, I guess he's never going to make a sequel, so we'll do other stories yeah. kind of things. And I was like, okay, this is fun, like, you know, the animated series, Saturday morning, non-canonical, like, adventures. But I'm waiting for the definitive Brad Bird, like, this is the sequel we obviously, the only sequel he could have made. Sure. And this didn't feel like that to me. And perhaps, once again, unrealistic expectations I'm throwing onto this thing. Hard to beat number one. Also, I'll probably see it 15 more times over the course of the next decade. So let's see where I stand there. Proud of you. Merchandise Spotlight. I swear this will be short, Ben. I didn't even bring it in, so we don't even have to do a fucking demonstration or anything. Okay. I just think this is a very clever item. Okay. That I can't believe they didn't think of for the first one. They uh, have a toy called the Elasta Arm. Okay. That is like one of those old boxing glove extension things. things. I love those. So it's like the grip which has the sort of like crisscross um, hinge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
and and you got Elastigirl's fist at the end of it. Pretty cool. Yeah, and you can punch someone that's great. across the room. That's great. I'm into that. Right, that rules. When I was a kid, that's I loved those. That's fucking cool. Remember those things also, there was like claws? Yes, the I robot claws. I loved those. Love those. There was like my favorite thing to like modify my body. Like yeah. if I was playing with a friend, I could be the villain and I had like yeah. a claw hand. If ruled. I was a kid and I had that toy, I would immediately punch <laughs> my smaller friend in the face. You would have been a disaster with this toy. <laughs> you would have caused so much damage. Oh, and I would have definitely hid and then hit my dad in the nuts. <laughs> For sure. God, what a nightmare. Why didn't they just like throw you in a <laughs> valley? Let you die. They did. It was called New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, they did. It's true. Yep. Um, um, box office. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing about this thing. Sure. Because I, I like. No, I also think the final scene with Tony is really cute. The date's really cute. Oh, I love it. Love it. Um, and then love the, and the, the sequel family kind being of ends embarrassing. The same way. It's so sweet. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. As the first one. Um, uh, the thing, right, they're all playing the mask on. She's like, oh, wait, first. Also, Isabella Rossellini as the ambassador. Holy shit. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I like, uh, uh, when they make merchandise for movies that are like the hands of the characters. We'll talk about this in a future episode, but that whole subgenre of merchandise, I really like when the first, uh, Johan Griffith, uh, fantastic four came out. They tried to come up with a Mr. Fantastic toy like that. That was just like, it's a hand and then it can just reach out further. But you can't really like grab stuff like sure, a claw. So, right. And I just think this is so much simpler. Just and it's punch. like, yeah, you just want to punch people. Punch like, you want to punch your dad in the nuts, <laughs> paint it red, put a black glove on it. Yeah. Perfect. Done. <laughs> Best toy ever. I'm, I'm raiding Toys R Us's going out of business sales for these. Um, box office game. Yes. The Incredibles 2 opened. Number one. <laughs> right. So let's see if I can guess the other movies in the box office that came out. What was the weekend gross? Uh, 182? Correct. 182.6 million dollars. Okay. Highest animated gross opening ever. By a wide margin. Like by like 50 million. Yeah. I think Finding Dory was 135, 135 something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Number two. Uh-huh. It's a film that is number two at the box office. Come on. Number two. So hint? it was whatever was number one the week before, which is uh, uh, not Deadpool 2. It's the thing. Oh, Ocean's, five. Ocean's 8. A film that you will be getting checks for. I probably will get more money for Ocean's 8 than most things I have ever worked on. Real exciting. Yeah. Uh, so Ocean's 8 has made now $78 million in two weeks. Pretty solid. Yeah. It's going to make an easy 100. Yeah, easy breezy 100. I think it'll uh, sort of end up in that Ready Player One territory. Uh-huh. Where Except it makes costing like one, a third as cost much. Cost less, but won't make as much worldwide. would be my guess. I think it's going to do pretty well. Yeah, but not like Ready Player One. No. Ready Player One did yeah. insane worldwide. Yeah. Uh, number three is a film I saw that soon we will recognize never existed. <laughs> it's just sort of ready to not exist. It's ready to not exist. It's just a movie where you're like, Jesus, and he was in it? That's a movie? So it's got good acting. It's about this? Are you, are you sure that was a movie? That wasn't like some dumb idea you Why had? Why am I not even thinking it's about It's based this? on a true story. Oh, it, uh, Tag. Tag. Yeah. It's not a game of Tag, Ben. Uh, you know, you just proved your point because already that movie doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Doesn't exist. Does not. Have you seen it? It's not a true story. We swear. Um, I have not seen it. Are you going to see it? Probably watch it on an airplane. That's sure. exactly the kind of movie I like watching on airplanes. It's just not what I wanted, which was fun. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> it's just not so good. So it's sort of like the idea of playing Tag with friends over 20 right. years. 
tedious. Well, and also I wanted the movie to be because the movie tedious. immediately you're just like, this is so fucked up. They're yeah. crazy. This these people need an intervention. Was it Yoshida who wrote the review about like I wish this movie acknowledged how sad this is? I well, I think I kind of did. She might have too. I I just it's you, that's what it is. And Their then entire sometimes life it does. Sacrifice for this. It does yeah. acknowledge it. Yeah. And then it kind of pulls back from it. And then at the end it tries to totally have its. Does that look a big twist? Like in terms it of it a making really a jarring dramatic shift. Annoying twist. Which I won't spoil. Renner's online. skin, it, he can't touch it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's made of acid. Yeah. <laughs> He's got boy in the bowl. Renner disease. is weird in this movie. Right. Renner's so weird in this movie that you're like, is Jeremy Renner a psychopath? <laughs> is it the kind of performance that someone who is in constant pain from two freshly broken Maybe. arms might give? I don't know. What if he was just on painkillers the entire he might movie? might be. He's a little zoned out. Number four, it's made $193 million. It's the biggest flop of the year. Solo. solo how weird it's like the justice league of this year i know where you're like but it made money yeah well <laughs> yeah i get that it cost way too much because like justice league it was shot two times but also it is bizarre that we live in a world where it's like 100 million dollar opening weekend it's a disaster right 200 million dollar final gross a calamity it's true like that used to be like the number one movie of what 1986 was three men and a baby which did like 160 million sure it's a long time ago, though. Yeah, I know. Superfly is number six. Deadpool 2 is number five. Did you see it? I have not seen it yet, and Deadpool will not stop calling me and taking me to task for not having seen it yet. That's his bit. Hereditary. Did you see Hereditary? I have. I love it. I think it fucks. Do you not like it? No, I like it. I just don't. I'm sick of oh, you saying hey, the things fuck. Can I pitch my ending for Hereditary? <laughs> Please. Yeah, have you, you saw seen Hereditary, it? right? We talked about it. Yeah, we yeah, talked What's your ending it. for Hereditary? Is it going to be Hereditary oh, he had a Hereditary Oh, he had a good bit. So I was Sure, thinking, spoilers for Hereditary. Really? I think so. I mean, he's talking about the ending. I've kind of gotten a little more on board because I initially wasn't into the ending. Okay. Like, it just felt, uh, I don't know. I just, I would rather it be more grounded and not be like this whole like elaborate. Right. Ben sort didn't of, like the, okay, so real the turn towards thing. the supernatural. I like that it goes end. bug nuts at the end because it shows so much control up until that point. Right. That's fine. That's a good argument. Well, yeah. I like hereditary. I feel like I, I'm in the middle. I think a big improvement would be, all right, so you see what happened, right? He, Becomes, speaking vague, speaking vague, yeah. It becomes this thing. Sure. And then it, it the camera sort of pulls out and it sort of gets all like glassy. And then you see you're in the devil's <laughs> lair and he's like. Ah, 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 ah. And this was all one of the devil's snow globes. Yeah. Ben, you know? ben pitched this to me when we were doing pickups the other week and I was amused. Uh, that sounds great. I'll, I'll say hereditary. I think one of the best in Congress. Uh, and credits needle drops in recent history. Oh, yeah. People try that game a lot, the lime and the coconut at the end of, like, fucking uh, Reservoir, Reservoir dogs. dogs. I like that. And so often I'm like, okay, a little too winky. Playing both sides now at the end of Hereditary, I thought, I, I found genuinely amusing. Uh, I agree. I, I like that. Uh, yeah, okay, so we're done. Book Club, cool. you saw Book Club? Yeah, Fox. <laughs> Jesus. That one does fuck. All right. I'll say this. Yellow card. Okay, good call. Fine. Good call. Thank you. Remember that when I thought I was going to get zero cards? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, fool. I saw Book Club with uh, uh, Romley and my mother. I tweeted this, but Romley, who bragged on a Ratatouille episode that she never cries during movies, right. was drawn to tears by the Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again trailer. Which is... A bad trailer. Yeah, and it wasn't performative. Go to tears, right? I went like, you're going to see that, right? And I looked over at Romilly and she literally had <laughs> tears in her face. And she was trying to wipe yeah, them right, away. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, but the thing I was going to say is, you know how everyone was complaining about how dark Solo is and we were talking about how much we liked 
the cinematography and being like, if you're saying you can't see the movie, come on, grow up. The projection for Book Club was so dark that it looked like Solo, where I can't imagine how bad Solo looks if you saw it in those circumstances. Yes. yes. Like Book Club, it's like I'm paying, I'm throwing $17 down in the barrel so I can see the brightest, most flatly lit Diane that, that movie was Mary shot Steen by Virgin. my grandma, right. who is dead. Right. Let's be honest. Right. And my screening of Book Club looked like Hereditary. <laughs> it was what so fucking dark. <laughs> Thank you. It's all pastels and white. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, a lot of shadows in this film. We're done. Okay, great. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Gudo for our social media. Uh, Pat Rollins and Joe Bowen for our artwork. Go to blankiesatrad.com for some real nerdy shit. And as always, Cars 2 makes Cars 3 look like Cars 1. But also, what's coming next? <gasps> Here's a twist. Bonus episode! Yes. Next week, we will be starting our next miniseries. Yep, we're going right into it. is the films of Ang Lee. We're just going to admit it. We lied before when we said we'd never do him. And that's part of our devilish charm. Wait, wait what's the devil saying right now? <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Pushing Hands and The Wedding Banquet. We yeah. combined his first two movies because most people haven't seen Pushing Hands. Pushing Hands is, is, is fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. The rest of them are great. Yeah. Uh, but get ready. We're going through it. We finally get to talk about the Hulk. Um, my friend, Mr. Hulk. Uh, Johnny T. Hulk. Um, so tune in for that, but just a couple days from now, we will be releasing a bonus episode on Brad Bird's family dog. Yeah. His American. Won't uh, be too long. Not going to be too long, right? The episode. No, no. It's going to be 15 minutes long. Um, but this is experimenting a way to bring back the bonus episodes of literally doing them as like a midweek, little shorter drop thing to Mm -hmm. be able to throw out our insummation thoughts on the filmmaker. Ben. And stay tuned. Because we have some burger reports. Some bergs. And also, stay tuned. Because Cars 2 makes Cars 3 look like uh, Bye. Thank you for calling the Burger Report hotline. 802-8-BURGER. Please leave a message with your FAMO type of burger and location, and we will try to put it on the podcast if we can. That's 802-8-BURGER. In Beverly Hills, I was working at a hotel, uh, shooting there, and I saw a the happy man himself, Pharrell Williams, walk in with uh, a crew of gentlemen, and it seemed like all of them ordered the burger, and I happened to also get that burger the same day. All right, that's it. Hey guys, this is Danish from Chicago, calling in with a burger report. About 10 years ago, I was on my way to work in downtown Chicago when I see a large man jaywalking across State Street while eating a pretty sizable burger with one hand. It was already a striking image, but then I saw it was none other than actor Mike Starr, probably best known for his role as the gas man from Dumb and Dumber, although he's been in hundreds of shows and movies, including Miller's Crossing, Ed Wood, The Office, and Blank Check's very own Blue Steel. So uh, some more notes on the burger. It was big. It was unwieldy. Uh, although he was handling it pretty well with his single hand. Um, he had taken a couple bites out of it already. It was a little soggy. I could see some of the lettuce hanging out the sides. Um, he had taken it to go because it was still wrapped in sort of a parchment paper tin foil wrapping. 
From the looks of it, it was definitely not a chain like McDonald's or Burger King. It was heftier, meatier. I would have guessed Portillo's or Al's Beef, but those were all four blocks west, and he was coming from the east. However, there was a Weber Grill restaurant not too far back, so I think that's the safest bet. Anyway, that's my report. It was obviously a pretty impactful encounter, as I still remember it vividly this many years later. So I hope that helps. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Uh, yes, I'd like to call in an Incredibles-related burger report. Um, years ago, uh, I was working at a bar in Long Beach, California, and a one Mr. Jason Lee, voice of Syndrome, came in. Um, he sat at a table, and he ordered a blue cheese burger, it was a uh, rectangular-shaped burger with blue cheese and bacon on it. Incredibly polite customer. Very, yeah, like I said, very nice. I saw him at an art show uh, probably like a year later, and he remembered me. So just, just great guy. Had a burger with some fries. Chilled down. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jason Lee, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a burger fan. That's all I can say.